Stardust Podcast, Patreon episode 26, Previews in a Half Shell. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done a previews episode or a Patreon episode. I apologize for that. Um, been very busy with a lot of things. Uh, mainly, it's been uh, working on the comic that I'm uh, creating. I'm about to launch the Kickstarter for that. Uh, that'll be, as you may have heard in the last Star Joe's episode, going to be launching it on July 25th. There was a lot of work that had to go into it, even though I had the script written and stuff that had been done last time for a Kickstarter. Did a lot more this time up front, uh, getting some pages done, getting uh, cover done and things like that. Uh, my new artist, Joel, has been fantastic to work with. Uh, Ross Hughes, who does, does the coloring, has been amazing as well. So uh, there's just been a, a lot of work and a lot of, a lot more effort this time for me to be able to do things because uh, I wasn't dealing with some of the stresses I was last time. I was able to actually focus on uh, promoting and getting exposure out there for the project. So I'm feeling really good about it this time, which is awesome. Uh, but it really has become like a second job. Uh, and luckily it's a second job that I enjoy. <laughs> so uh, while it's a lot of work at the end of the day, I'm like, 
okay, yeah, I just put in another three, four hours on top of my regular eight-hour job, uh, eight to nine-hour job, but it is, um, so, like, I might be tired from the day, but at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I put that extra time in, so, um, but because of that, it would, it, I, I would just need a break at the end of the day, and as much as I like doing these podcasts, as much as I like doing these episodes, I need to have energy in order to do them. Um, because it's not fair to you guys if I don't have, uh, don't come with a hundred percent effort, uh, for you guys. So at least as uh, close to a hundred percent as possible. Um, so yeah, so I, so like I say, I apologize. Uh, the good news is, so a couple things. One is that, uh, I have a lot of previews to get through. Uh, there was previews that came out before the pandemic. There was previews that came out after the pandemic. Uh, I shouldn't say after the pandemic, the pandemic's not over. Uh, as much as people want to make it seem that way, uh, it's not over by a long shot. So, uh, so I have a lot of previous catalogs to go through. I'm not going to go through all of them in one sitting. This is not going to be a five, six hour episode, uh, but I'm going to do the last previews that I had since the last time I covered previews in this episode. And then Next, and then I'll do another recording another time. So this way I can get out more episodes for you guys. I'll get them out a bit more frequently. Uh, my hope is that maybe I can get out at least two previews episodes through the Patreon uh, feed, uh, two of them this month. So, uh, so I'll do this one. If I can record another one very quickly, I'll do that. If I can't do it till later in the month, I'll do that. But as, as much as I get these recorded, I'm going to put them out so that you guys have a lot to listen to. Um, now, I know I announced last time that I'm going to have the Patreon episodes available for everybody uh, because of the pandemic thing going on. wanted to provide more entertainment. I'm still doing that. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that. Um, so I, uh, I didn't want it to be like, oh, you know, since things are starting to kind of open up a bit and some places, let's face it, things are opening up a little too quickly. Um, but, uh, I just don't want to, I don't want to see this thing spike up again. That's my biggest concern. Uh, I'm still staying at home. Uh, my wife is still staying at home. We're both working from home, uh, with her being immune compromised, which I know that a lot of people out there that face that, um, and deal with that. And my heart goes out to you, but with her being in that situation, like I can't take any risks. I don't want the last time I see my wife to be, uh, her going into a hospital and I never get to see her again. Like that's a very scary situation. It's a very real situation too. So, uh, so I'm taking this stuff very seriously. Uh, if I do go out, I wear a mask, uh, ask that other people wear a mask, uh, this, and here's some, I'm going to be saying a few things right now. I want to make it very clear that these are my opinions and my thoughts. I don't speak for Chuck, John, Robert or Shannon on this, they might have, they might feel the same way. I don't know. Uh, I never asked them, but I want to be very clear that these are my thoughts and my views. Uh, when I do these Patreon episodes, you guys know, those have been listening to Patreon, the Patreon episodes for a while. No, this is where you get a little bit more of my views on things. Uh, of course, talk about comics and keep it entertaining and everything else as much as possible. But I also kind of give you my thoughts on things. I will not get into politics. Don't worry. I won't get into religion or anything like that. Um, this might be the closest I get to politics, which is, I'm going to say very bluntly, um, 
asking people to wear a mask is not infringing on your rights. It is not infringing on your freedoms. People tend to think that having uh, freedom in this country means freedom of everything, or at least they like to sometimes feel that way if it works to their agenda. Um, it does not free you from responsibility. It does not free free you from consequences. Um, this is a very real illness that's going on, Real, re- very real virus that's going on. It's affecting real people. I know people that have been affected by this. Um, some have pulled through, and some, unfortunately, have not. So uh, that's why I take it very seriously. Asking you to wear a mask in public is an inconvenience. I get that it might be a discomfort, um, but please do it. That's all I'm, I'm going to say is just please do it. Um, you're doing it as a step to protect others. Um, it does crack me up that people think that by wearing a mask, it now has some magical barrier around them <laughs> that makes it them being around close to people okay. Um, you know, like, oh, I can hang, hang my arm around my buddy and hang out with them and everything else, even if they have COVID because I got a mask on. No, that's not what it means. <laughs> Mask means that you're protecting the possibility of something that you might be carrying from spreading to somebody else through your mouth and your nose. It does not prevent it from spreading it through other means also. So please watch your hands. Please keep up the social distancing. Um, You know, be smart about things. That's all I ask is for people to be smart about it. Um, You know, this is not meant to be a political thing. This is not meant to be infringing on your rights. This is meant to be looking out for yourself and looking out for other people around you. That's what it is. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on real quickly, and I promise I won't stay on these topics long because that's not what you tuned into the show for. Um, you get enough of it other places. I understand that, but I, because of things I know I'm going to be talking about in this ish, in this episode, I felt it was important to let you know where my viewpoints are on things, because again, I'm going to touch on some things and I don't want to be accused of something that I'm not. Um, so you guys know that I don't like agenda comics and there's going to be some, uh, at least one comic in here that I know for a fact, it's been a while since I looked through this through these previews. So some of the stuff that I marked, I don't even remember what I marked, but one thing I do remember I marked is something that I consider very much an agenda comic. I don't want it to come across as me being against diversity. However, I am all for diversity. I am, uh, whether it be diverse characters, diverse creators, um, diversity of subject matter, uh, any of that type of stuff, I'm all for it. In fact, I think we're better people if we accept that. Um, what I don't like is I don't like agenda comics, which is, uh, and if you do like those, again, that is your thing and that's great. You know, I personally don't like them because agenda, creating a comic to focus on an agenda to me takes away from the story of the comic. Um, I have said this many times with my own comic that I, that I'm, trying to have made. I'm trying to tell a good story. If somebody gets out of my comic, uh, girl power, cause my character is a female character, uh, strong female, you know, that, Hey, we got a f- strong female role model for kids to look to with your comic. Or, um, you know, you've got this message in there of, of never giving up. So if people get those things out of it, great, that's awesome. 
However, I'm not writing the story just for the sake of of having that. Like, my character is a female character because it's based off of my wife. My wife was the one with the nickname of Stealth Hammer that she got through jobs and everything else. And we always thought it would make a good superhero character name. So why not make the superhero character female if I'm basing it on my wife? And like I said, if someone, and, and then I told a story based off of that, I, I branched off of that. And like I said, if someone gets out of that, that, Hey, this is a strong female character and strong, you know, uh, girl power and all that type of stuff. Great. That's fantastic. I mean, good. Cause it's still a positive message. Um, what I don't like is someone that just goes, uh, tells me, you, know, you say, what is your comic about? And they go, Oh, well, it's got a really strong female character. Okay, that tells me nothing. It tells me absolutely zero about what your comic's about. That tells me nothing about the story. That, to me, is agenda comics. And like I said, there's an example of that that I'll get into in here. Um, but I wanted to be very clear that I am not against diversity. The comic that I'll be talking about focuses on the diversity of their characters. But I still know nothing about the characters. I know nothing about the story. So we'll get into that. Um and again, this is my viewpoint. Uh, I, I don't speak for John, Chuck, Robert, or Shannon, uh, or any guests we've ever had on the show. But, you know, there's the whole Black Lives Matter stuff out there. And I am 100% in support of that. Um, because uh, and it honestly, and this comes from someone who used to think, well, all lives matter. Um, I still, I mean, we all think that all lives matter. At least we should think that all lives matter. Um, but I used to be the one that says, yeah, but it shouldn't be just black lives matter. It should be the all lives matter. That's where my mindset used to be until I started thinking more about it and started talking to more people about it. And the best analogy that I heard about it, which I can understand, uh, uh, kind of lit a light bulb for me, which is why I want to kind of share it is that if a house is on fire and the fire department shows up, they don't hose down the entire neighborhood. They hose down the house that's on fire and they might hose down the houses that are next to it, uh, to prevent them from catching on fire, but they don't go through the whole city and hose every house down. Um, that's kind of how this is. It's, you know, we have a situation in our country where people are getting hurt and people are getting killed, um, because of the color of their skin. Now, does it happen all the time? No, it doesn't. I mean, and that's another thing too, is like, I am not saying all cops are bad. In fact, I know majority of them are not. I know quite a few, uh, police officers, majority of police officers are good people. Uh, and they want to do good in, in their cities. Uh, so, so I also support the police officers that are trying to do the right thing and trying to be good out there. However, there's ones that do bad. And when they do bad, they should be caught. They should be punished and they should have to face the consequences of their actions. Um, the big thing for me is that no one should ever walk out of their home afraid that they might not come home that night. No one should walk out of their home thinking that someone's going to give them a hard time just for them being them. If you're an, if you're an asshole and you're, <laughs> attacking somebody, hurting somebody, then yes, 
you should have some fear in you that someone's going to take you down or whatever. But if you're just leaving your house for the day, you shouldn't have to worry about the people around you. You shouldn't have to worry about uh, being accused of something. Like These are real problems that I know from talking to, to friends of mine that they face and they have faced and that's wrong. So that's why they, why the, the issue of black lives matter is out there is because majority of people that this affects, and I know there's other minorities that it has affected as well, but majority of those that this has affected have been, uh, black American people. They, that's who faces this every day. So, like I said, not trying to be preachy, just kind of giving my perspective of where I'm coming from. Uh, I also do think that there's some people that take advantage of the situation of the protests. I, I fully support the protesters being out there to raise awareness and everything else. But yes, with the looting and the rioting, um, I get that you know there's a breaking point for some people where they don't know what else to do other than to kind of lash out. Let's face it, through this pandemic, we're seeing a lot of that. Um but I also think that there's some people that go take advantage uh, of a, of riots and things like that to then do bad things. And I think there's some people out there, because uh, I've seen this for a fact, um, there's organizations out there that want to turn protests into riots. Um, uh, pallets of cinder blocks don't just show up. Uh, protesters aren't bringing them. Uh, so... There's a, there's a lot of complexity to everything that's going on. Um, I'm hoping through all of this we just at least get some awareness um, and start, and at the end of the day, just start treating each other like we, like we want to be treated, that we start just being good people that I know majority of us are. Um, someone made a comment tonight on... Um, Facebook, and I really appreciate it. There was a couple guys that were talking, saying like they appreciate the fact that our group allows differing opinions, and that we don't turn it into a into personal attacks, and that um, having different viewpoints is is great. And I I agree with that. Like we need to have different viewpoints, and we need to be able to talk. So much of what's going on in the world right now is one side yelling and another side yelling, and neither side is willing to listen to the other one. So that's what we're kind of facing right now. Um, we need to talk more and we need to listen to each other more. And probably listening is probably the bigger key. Um, if you guys were here right now with me, you guys know I talk a lot because it's a podcast. I have to talk a lot. <laughs> but if you guys were here with me right now and wanted to talk about this type of stuff, um, I would be more open to listening to you and than I would be about just saying where my viewpoint is. You've now heard where my viewpoint is on things. Um, and much like most things in the world, there it's not just black and white. It's not just this side's good and that side's bad. There's, there's, we're all people. There's a mix of, of everything. So, um, all I'm asking for you guys to do is, is be kind for each other. Keep our community good. Keep it positive. Um, if you don't, like we've talked about many times before, if you don't like something, that's fine. Express that you don't like it and move on. Um, uh, tell us why you don't like something, you know, share your opinion, share your thoughts, just never make it personal. 
you know, um, don't think someone else is stupid because they have a different, different opinion than you. You know, the, the thing we were talking about was, you know, the new Star Wars movies, which is, of course, always the heated debate. Chuck posted a, a thing with, you know, that he just thought was funny. Um, and then it turned, it sparked some, you know, comments here and there. Thankfully, nothing where anyone got, like, you know, like I said, attacking towards each other or anything like that, because I would have stopped that right away. But, um, but like, yeah, if, if you like the new Star Wars movies, which I do, um, I've got a few issues with a couple things that happen in some of them, but overall, I've really liked uh, them overall. Um, and that's my opinion. And if you don't like them, like if you hate The Last Jedi, that's fine. That's your opinion. And you can express that you don't like it. Um, I think whether you like it or don't like it, both of those things have been beat to death at this point. So I don't want to dwell on it anymore. Uh, but like I said, if you, if you like the new movies, don't like the new movies, that's, that's fine. That's your preference. You like what you like. Um, you know, I'm going to go over comics and giving my opinions on what I see that I like. That doesn't mean you have to like them also. I'm just telling you my opinion and, I actually want to hear from you guys. You know, I want to hear like when I post comic reviews, if you've read the comic I'm talking about, I want you to post what you thought about it, whether you agree or disagree or whatever, you know, like let's have a conversation. Let you know, to me, that's fun. I can get into debates like crazy with people and I never take it personally. As long as someone's not personally attacking me, telling me I'm stupid for my opinion on something, like that's when you start getting into personal attacks is when you're telling someone they're an idiot. You obviously have bad taste in movies if you like this. You have obviously bad taste in comics if you like that. It's a piece of garbage. You know, if you think something's a piece of garbage, that's fine. If you think someone else is a piece of garbage because they like something, that's not fine. <laughs> so, that's uh, as clear cut as I can make it. So, um, so like I said, that's, I just wanted to kind of throw some stuff out there. I appreciate our community. I am so happy that you guys keep things positive, that you guys, you know, express your opinions. You never turn it personal. Um, you keep other people in check also, like please never attack someone because they're attacking someone. Just, you know, simply point out, Hey, we don't really do that here. You know, and then if you really need to reach out to us through messenger or, uh, what, whatever method you have to reach out, uh, I'm constantly looking at comments on the fan page and the group page and stuff like that. So I'm usually on, usually on top of what's going on. Um, and I'll step in if I ever need to, I have had to in the past. Thankfully it's been, you know, knock on wood, it's been over a year at least, if not two years since I've had to really like step in and kind of put my foot down saying, Hey, we don't do that here. Um, so I appreciate you guys. Uh, a couple of you guys made comments about, you know, me, you know, keeping it open for other opinions and being a decent person by doing that. And I really appreciate that. I'm just a down to earth guy. You know, I want people to get along. I want people to enjoy stuff. Hey, we're here to talk about comic books and Star Wars and G.I. Joe and Transformers and all the, all this fun stuff that we grew up with or we discovered recently or whatever. Let's have fun with it. You know, like I said, I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on some of the things in my viewpoints because 
I felt it was important because I am going to talk about in a, a comic for sure. I know at least one in here that I felt was very agenda focused and a lot of people felt the exact same way. And I didn't want it being viewed as me being against any movements that are out there right now, uh, because I'm not against them at all. In fact, I'm highly in favor of them, uh, because I think we need to all come to the table together and get this shit to stop happening. Um, we need to start caring about each other a bit more. So, um, but like I said, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I like agenda comics. I, I don't, I, I love diversity. I don't like, I don't love agendas. <laughs> so, uh, so with that being said, like I said, I just wanted to get that out there right away. Um, sorry for spending so much time on it already. Um, let's talk about some fun stuff. Uh, so spinning from very serious, we're going to spin into very silly. So, uh, and first thing I'm going to talk about is I actually not only have, uh, comic catalog previews to go through, but I also have the summer catalog for Lego. Uh, for those that have listened to past previews episodes, and I don't know if it was in the last one or not, but past previews episodes, uh, sometimes I get a Lego catalog in the mail, because uh, I'm a VIP member, which means nothing. It means I signed up for the VIP membership. It's like when you sign up for rewards points at the grocery store or something like that. It didn't cost me anything. Um, but because I'm on that uh, membership, I do get this catalog in the mail. Uh, I think it's once a quarter, is, I think is when I get it. Maybe once every six months, but I think it's once a quarter. Um, and it tells me what Lego sets are coming out. And since I love Lego and I have been building Lego sets, uh, for most of my life. And I have quite a few that I'm working on, uh, recently, especially with this going on. Uh, I thought it'd be great to talk about what's coming out because I think it's fun. There's other geeky things out there, uh, besides just comics and the 80s stuff that we talk about. And this is one of the things that I'm highly into. Uh, I think nowadays that like people have asked, like, if, if if you weren't doing the podcast on comics and the 80 stuff, you know, would, what would you do a podcast on? I might do a podcast on Lego, Lego stuff. I don't know. It's tough to do a podcast or, or even a video cast on Lego because it gets, it's expensive. Uh, the sets get expensive. So that's the only thing that would keep me from doing it. But I really do love this stuff. Um, like I say, I have quite a few, quite a few sets, uh, and I really, really love how they come out. It takes me back to my childhood, which is always awesome. Um, one thing I just realized too, I don't think I ever circled back to kind of mention with the Patreon episodes. So yeah, so I didn't, I put one out and sorry, I'm going on a completely different tangent here, but I did uh, put one out that was released to everybody. Uh, I'm going to release the Patreon episodes to everybody for the rest of this year. So I thought about stopping in the fall because we were hoping this pandemic thing was going to maybe phase out in the summer through the summer with the summer heat. That does not seem like that's happening. Um, and then it might surge back up in the fall, but we weren't sure and everything else. It, it seems like this is going to be a long-term situation. So I'm going through till the end of the year, all Patreon episodes are going to be made available. Now, like I mentioned before, Patreon episodes will be available to actual patrons three days before they're open to everybody else. And then video, um, Patreon episodes will still only be for patrons. So I probably, by the time this episode comes out, there'll already be another video episode out for patrons. I, it was the video of, of me in my basement 
and kind of talking about the hoarding collection that I have down there that I am trying to clean up. So I promised that a while ago. I actually recorded it a while ago and I just haven't put it out. I need to just get it uploaded to my laptop so I can add uh, an intro and an exit to it and everything else uh, and then release it out. It, it's un, it'll be uncut raw footage just like I do with normal Patreon episodes. Um, that's one thing you know with this episode is everything is just as is if I stumble over words or whatever this, these Patreon episodes are, they're Ryan in the raw Ryan uncut. It's just, this is my thoughts, my ramblings. I have nothing planned. I have nothing other than the catalogs. I, have, I don't know where I'm going to go when I'm talking. So part of the fun, right? Uh, but I wanted to let you guys know that the Patreon episodes are going to be available through the end of the year. Um, and then like I said, once the new year comes, hopefully we'll be in a better position, uh, for everybody and they can go back to being, uh, regular patron only episodes. And maybe at that point people will have enjoyed them and they'll, uh, be in a better financial situation. I know that was one of the reasons for doing this is I know some people are still in some bad financial situations and you, I want to give you some free entertainment. So, um, but hopefully in 2021, it'll be a better year. People will be in a better financial situation. And uh, they'll like these episodes. So they'll be like, yeah, I'll give you the three bucks a month that it costs to, to get these extra episodes. So, um, so yeah, so that's, like I said, wanted to kind of let you guys know that they're going to be available for a while. Um, so going into the Lego catalog. So this is for this. This is the summer catalog. Um, just a few things I wanted to mention. Uh, one was just some of the city sets that are coming out. I just thought they were kind of neat sets that I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, one is called the service station. So it's a gas station. Um, the thing I liked with the set is there's, there's the little, you know, building section where it's, you know, you, it's, it's your convenience store section. It's very, it's very small, but it's still there. It looks cool. Uh, and then there's your gas pumps are there and that's like with its awning on the top and everything. And then you have your, uh, sign for your gas station, like your tall sign that people see from the streets and everything else. And then you get two vehicles and the vehicles are really cool. One's like this, uh, bus or like a van type thing. It's a turquoise color van. Uh, looks like it's got a couple surfboards on top with a couple surfer dudes that are going to, that are driving it. And then you get a little, uh, blue, like Navy blue, uh, sports car looking thing. Uh, just a, like a sporty type coupe type car. Um, and it's 50 bucks. Like I actually thought like, like you get, what is it? Four minifigs plus a dog minifig. And you get, you know, the building structure, the, the gas, um, pump, structure, the sign structure, and then you get these two decent sized vehicles. So I thought it was actually good value. It's 354 pieces. Um, so price to part ratio, like they always like to point out maybe isn't the greatest, but I just love the setup. I think you get your money's worth with this. Cause it's a whole scene that you're, that you're building. Um, 
it's great if you're doing like a whole cityscape because you need your you need your gas pumps and everything. So I thought that was cool. Uh, then they have a tuning workshop, which this one's a hundred dollars, but again, I think you're getting your money's worth. So you get a tune-up shop, uh, which the shop's called Treads Tuning, and uh, it's a full building there that they have. And next to the building is a little doghouse, and it's got this bulldog. A uh, little mini fig that goes in there, and then there's like this little um, trailer type thing, and it looks like that's where maybe someone uh, like the. It's hard to tell. It's like it's almost like that's where the salesman is, or maybe someone that uh, comes out for like car rentals or loaner cars or something like that while yours is getting fixed. It also comes with a tow truck that you build. It comes with a hot rod uh, speedster car, comes with another little race car, green race car coupe type thing. And it comes with like a little smart car and a motorcycle. And then it's got, uh, looks like six minifigs with it. So for a hundred bucks, you're getting a big, pretty decent sized playset here with like a bunch of vehicles and everything else. Um, I love the tow truck. looks awesome. I uh, love the building that, you know, the workshop is. It looks like it's a little crank uh, hook thing where an engine, like if you're placing the engine down into something, it, it's holding an engine in there. Um, it looks like it's a decent size. So, you know, yeah, it's a hundred bucks, but it's, it's a good size, a lot of playability going on there. Just uh, really, really like that. Uh, next one is Obi-Wan's Hut. That I wanted to mention. There's some, some cool Star Wars ones in here. Uh, the Obi-Wan Hut reminded me very much of the Cantina set that came out a few years back. Um, I have that Cantina set uh, and have it together. It's really, really, really cool. Um, and this kind of reminded me of it, of it a bit. It's Obi-Wan's Hut. I have assembled this. It comes with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke, R2-D2. Uh, there is a hologram Leia, uh, it's a, like the, I think they call them the micro figures or something like that. Uh, it's a translucent blue one of Leia. So you can do the hologram scene, uh, and then you have a Tuscan Raider. Uh, so like, and he's for the outside and everything else, but it, it's a cool structure that kind of folds in on itself, but then you can open it up and lift the top up and everything else. So you can really kind of get inside and play around a bit. Um, there's some cool little features that they did inside. Um, it's 30 bucks. It's, um, I think it probably could have been 25, 20 to $25 probably would have been maybe a little bit better price, but you do get three minifigs plus the R2D2 minifig. Um, which the minifigs typically, you know, they're ranging about four to around three to $4 by themselves. So you figure you have three minifigs, there's $12 already there. Plus the R2 minifig is probably another $3 at least. So you're talking half of this price is just those minifigs. So, um, so actually it's not too bad considering the other $15 is for the structure. And I actually like the structure a lot. I think it's done really well. Now, another one that is $30 that I don't agree with it being $30 is Luke Skywalker's Land Speeder. They have done this Land Speeder several times. The Cantina set that I got, 
that I built came with a land speeder, which I thought was really awesome. Like that one came with a land speeder, a do back, and then the whole cantina set. Like it's, if you ever watch reviews of the cantina sets and they do comparisons of past ones, the one that I, I got that has all of that, the land speeder and everything else is the one that's always like the top rated one because of all the stuff you get. And it's, um, and I didn't know that going into it. It's just like, well, that was a nice surprise to find out that this is the one that everyone says is the best one. So that one had a land speeder in it. And I really liked how it was designed. This one looks like they made some tweaks to it to make it a little bit more involved detail wise. Not a lot though, because there's only so much you can do with a land speeder. Um, the reason why I don't think the value is there is because number one, they've done the land speeder multiple times, but also if you never had a land speeder, it's a cool one, but then it's pretty much all you get. There is a little quarter cave type fit structure that you build. It's very tiny. And that's what a Jawa sits in. I love the fact that a Jawa comes with the set because I love the Jawa characters and the Jawa minifigs are awesome. I can't get enough of them, but $30, like, so you're getting Luke, you're getting the C-3PO and you're getting Jawa. So you're getting $12 there. Um, where the other set that I just mentioned, you're, you're getting three minifigs plus R2-D2. Um, and then the structures like are very off. So like, I guess you can call the land speeder a structure, but it's really not that big. Um, and then there's the little cave. If you could get this set for 20 bucks, go for it all day long. 30 bucks to me is a bit high for it. So, but I really, I like it. It's just, like I said, I think it's a bit pricey. Um, then they did the helmets recently. So they've done a Boba Fett helmet, a Stormtrooper helmet, and a TIE Fighter pilot helmet, which the TIE Fighter pilot helmet I like the best. It's, for some reason, it just, because it, I think because it looks the most like the true helmet and everything else, where the Stormtrooper one and the Boba Fett one, especially the Boba Fett one, just seems like it's a little off, like it's a little too blocky. Uh, the Stormtrooper one looks good, but there's just, again, something with it that, in the picture here, it just looks a little wonky where the TIE fighter one looks like almost spot on from, for how it should look. Um, I haven't watched any reviews of these to kind of see them in person, uh, or somewhat in person. I like watching reviews of Lego sets cause they really, you know, they spin it around. They show you all the details and everything else. It's a really good way to get an idea uh, if a Lego set is really for you. Um, I do listen to the people's opinion, but at the same time, there's been times where I watch a set and uh, set and I go, yeah, you really like that, but that doesn't do anything for me or vice versa. Much like these episodes, like I might be pointing something out and you're like, yeah, Ryan, that's fine with me. You don't like it, but I like it or vice versa. I might really like something and you're like, yep, yeah, that's not for me. So, um, and again, that's fine. <laughs> so, so these helmets are cool. If anyone out there has any of these helmets and has built them, let me know what you think of them because they are a bit pricey. They're about $60. Uh, they are designed for 18, uh, 18 year old plus. So they're designed for adults to build them because they are complex. Um, but I'd be curious to, to hear from anyone out there that has them. Like if you have all three of them, which one do you like the best since you actually have them? So I, I would love to hear that from you. Um, then they also did a, a Dio figure, uh, from the, uh, rise of Skywalker. I love this little droid. Um, I feel bad for the droid because he comes across as like an abused puppy, uh, which, so my heart just goes out to him and, you know, because he acts like this little abused dog, I'm a huge dog lover. So of course I connect with 
this character. Um, I like that he played a fa- uh, an actual role, and it wasn't just like here's this character. Like he actually played a, a pivotal story point role in it. Um, I hope we get to see a lot more of him in the expanded universe stories and everything else. Um, the figure that they did for this, it looks fine. I've watched a few reviews on it. It seems like it's it's a good set. Uh, it's not one that I would look to get necessarily, <coughs> but. Uh, as much as I like the character, it's just not a set that excites me to get. So, um, however, here's some sets that I think are awesome. I, uh, they're very expensive, so I won't be getting them, but, uh, I think they're really awesome. So there's the UCS sets, which if you ever hear UCS with Lego, it means ultimate collector series set. Um, so that's what UCS set. There's a lot of this terminology I, I've had to learn because I would hear people say, oh, did you see this UCS set? And I'm like, what the hell is a UCS set? So it's Ultimate Collector Series. Um, there's a Star Destroyer, Imperial Star Destroyer, that is enormous. Uh, and it comes with a little uh, Corvette uh, vehicle, the the Tanta 4, uh, that it you know gets tractor pulled into. Um, I've seen... The build on this it's an enormous set like think the almost think the size of the new millennium falcon that lego did it's like all it's pretty close to that size it's also 700 dollars, so it's pretty close to the price too um then they also did an a-wing starfighter which i love the a-wing starfighter it's again not but at the same time much like the deal set this isn't a set that i overly get overly excited about owning like it's not something i really be like oh man i gotta i gotta get that one that's a ship that's just in my top three ships like it's not i love the a-wing i think the a-wing design is awesome i think it looks really cool i know some people that really do love the design of the a-wing and like i said i think it's awesome it's just not a set that i am like oh i'm gonna get this display i think that if i had gotten some of the other ucs sets that were ships so if I had done the Falcon that was enormous, um, if I had done the uh, Slave One and the X-Wing and stuff like that, if I had done those sets, I'd probably be more inclined to get the A-Wing one to kind of go with those, but I didn't. So I do have a Falcon. I don't have that giant, ginormous Falcon. Would I ever want that ginormous Falcon? Um, I would take it if it didn't cost me anything because <laughs> it's really crazy expensive. It's like more than my mortgages. Um, and, and I can't live in it. It's almost big enough to live in it, but I can't live in it. The biggest thing for me is I have, I would have no place to put it. Like people, people that can get like USS flags nowadays and stuff like that, or the Java sail barge, man, God bless you for being able to do that. Like it's awesome. It's not even the money factor for me that as to like being like, well, man, you know, you're so fortunate to be able to afford that. I could probably afford it. Like if I saved up for it, for things like that, you know, all of us could, let's face it. If we, if you're really committed to getting something that you always wanted to have, you can put a little bit of money away every single month or every six months or something like that to eventually afford getting one of those big things. The problem with the collectors like us is we don't put that money aside to do that. So, um, so yeah, I could get, that huge Falcon one day, if I really wanted to, 
I, I just have no place to put it. And that's why I said, like, my hat's off to people that have, like, a, have um, the USS Flag or this Java Sail Barge or, or that Lego Falcon or, or, some, or the Star Destroyer one that I, I was just talking about that you can put it someplace because it's awesome. They, they look really cool. I just I don't have the place to put it. If I did, I couldn't put I would not have room for a lot of other things that I would want to display. So um speaking of UCS, uh I don't know if they consider this a US UCS set or not, but it basically is they did the Batmobile uh from the 89 movie and you get Batman, Joker and Vicky Vale. <coughs> They're all based on the the 89 Batman movie. And then the Batmobile is huge, and it's super detailed. It looks just like the one in the movie. Um, it's an awesome set. It's $250, but it's an awesome-looking set. Um, then something I thought was very reasonably priced was the Black Widow's helicopter uh, chase set. Uh, the Black With the Black Widow movie coming out sometime soon, uh, they had this set come out. It's a Basically, it's a Chinook helicopter, so think for G.I. Joe, think the Tomahawk, or as I think they called it, the Eagle Hawk when it was re-released. It's always going to be the Tomahawk for me. But um, it's like that. Now, I have this set. It is not as big as I was hoping it would be. Like, I was hoping that you actually could, op- it was actually opened up on the sides, and you could put, like, figures sitting in on the sides. It's not that big. You can open open it up from the top and put some figures inside, um, but it's not as big of a Chinook helicopter as, as I was kind of hoping it would be. Um, but then again, it was only $30. So, you know, it's, it's good for the price. So you get Black Widow, you get, um, uh, Taskmaster, and then you get, um, Yelena Belova, I believe is her name. Uh, we'll come across her name later on, but, uh, you get three minifigs. So again, you're talking that, you know, 12, probably $12 value there already. And then you get the helicopter and then you get a motorcycle. And I think there's also like a little scooter type thing that Taskmaster can ride or something like that, that pops out of the back of the helicopter. I could be wrong though. I think the mo- the motorcycle might just pop out the back, but it, it's a cool little set. Um, I really do like it a lot. It just wasn't as big as I was hoping it would be, but then I should have realized it wouldn't be that big for the price. Um, but like I said, definitely worth the value. If you see it, pick it up. It's a really cool little set. Um, easy to build. And, uh, like I said, I really did like it. Uh, one of my thoughts with it is that I do have the helicarrier shield helicarrier set. Um, and I have that put together. This would look really cool sitting on the launch deck of that. So then we got, uh, the uh, set that I'm really hoping to get one day, it's the Pirates of Barracuda Bay. Um, it's on temporarily out of stock. Um, it's $200, so but you get 2,500 pieces. So the price-to-part ratio is amazing on this. Uh, it came from Lego Ideas, which always got really cool stuff coming out. This is something I'm going to save up for and hopefully get at some point. But th- the idea was they took... The Barracuda, which was a, a pirate ship that was done way back in the day in Lego. And uh, someone thought, well, what if that ship crashed on an island and the pirates turned the parts of the ship into their living quarters? 
So that's what they did here. They have this awesome ship pieces that all sit together on this island set. And the island set is really cool. I've watched a bunch of reviews on this. Everyone that has this set and has done a review on it talks about how amazing this set is. It's like one of the best sets ever. Um, and the really cool thing is then you can actually take the ship parts off. They come off very easily. And then you can connect them together and rebuild the Barracuda ship. And then not only do you build rebuild the Barracuda ship, but then the island pieces that are left behind, those are not any slouch pieces either. That island still is a functional island where you could still have like some of your pilot uh, pilots, some of your pirates still stationed on the island as if the uh, Barracuda ship is like attacking them or whatever your imagination thinks of. Um, ideally, I would love to have two of these sets. Again, price would not really allow that, but it'd be awesome to have one set where you build the Barracuda and you have your island and then the other one where you have the island with the broken Barracuda on it, um, kind of piece it all together into a bigger island maybe uh, with the Barracuda ship out to sea attacking the broken down Barracuda Island. Um, that would be really cool. I do have um, from Lego Dimensions, they did a Goonie set where you build a little mini pirate ship. You build the organ, the skeleton organ that they played on. And then you also have the mini fig of sloth. That organ piece and sloth, I think would look awesome with this set. Like, cause it's, it can be a whole Goonies pirate type set. I just think it would be fun. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is just a very, very cool set. I'm hoping it gets back in stock at some point. Um, and it's something that, you know, maybe I would ask a few people to chip in with some money so that I can put that with some money I have to get this set for Christmas or something like that. It would be like awesome. Speaking of awesome, the last thing I wanted to mention in here, or second to last thing I wanted to mention in here, is they do have pre-orders for Mandalorian stuff, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, they have, uh, the one that I am most interested in is they have the Razor Crest. Uh, so you get the, you build the Razor Crest ship, you get with that the Mandalorian, you get the child, uh, you get, I'm trying to remember, I think his name is Grief, it's, it's, um, Oh my God! What's his name? Apollo Creed. What I am totally blanking on his name. Carl Weathers. You get Carl Weathers' character, which I think again, I think his name is Grief, uh, and you get IG Eleven. So uh, you get oh, and a and a biker scout. So uh, so you get four minifigs plus the child mini minifig, and then uh, you get the to build the Razor Crest. It looks amazing. Um, I am very excited about that set. Um, then the last thing in Lego that I wanted to mention is we do have the haunted house set that came out. Uh, I know one of my friends, uh, Eric, who's been on the show before, uh, I believe he has this set. I'm 99.9% sure that you, that Eric, that you have this set. And he's like, it's very impressive. It's awesome. And again, all the reviews I've seen of it are amazing. There's lots of nods to past Lego stuff uh, in this. Uh, this is, again, an 18-plus set, so it's meant for adults to build it. Um, it's a really cool design. Lots of minifigs with it. Uh, lot, it's got some light-up bricks and motorized stuff. It's just really, really cool. Um 
it's it like I said, it's just it's a very cool set. It's two forty nine, like so two hundred fifty bucks, but it's thirty two hundred pieces. So you're getting a lot of pieces. Price to part ratio is really good. There's probably a lot of small pieces which throws that off a little bit um, because you're doing a lot of detail work. But man, it it looks like a very impressive set. So so that's all from the Lego world. Uh, if you're not one to be into Lego, uh, sorry, but also not sorry. Because I enjoy them, so I love talking about them when I can. Uh, on to some comics here. So, uh, first we're going to go into Marvel here. Uh, and the first thing we have here is Empire. Uh, so, E-M-P-Y-R-E. Uh, and I read... I'm trying to remember the comic that I read, but it was basically... I didn't like the comic itself. Um, but it set things up for Empire. Basically, Hulkling is a blend of a Kree and a Skrull... So he's able to unite the two um, empires together, and he becomes their leader. Um, but it causes, of course, turmoil within the universe because they all want to go after Earth uh, because they see Earth as being the one thing that has caused so many problems in the universe. And him being their leader, he doesn't want to deny them, so he leads a force to Earth is basically the gist of what's going on here. Um, it seems like from stuff that I've that I'm seeing in the catalog here, it seems like there's a focus on the Fantastic Four and the Avengers in this. So they each have their own little spin-off titles, and that makes perfect sense because Fantastic Four is very cosmic. Avengers, of course, have been very cosmic. So um, so it seems like you would have these two factions. I don't know if it's going to be something like Civil War, where Fantastic Four are feeling one way and the Avengers are feeling other, um, or if it's just they splinter off be- to deal with the same problem in different ways. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know the artwork looks uh, really good. It's by uh, Valerio Shidi, who we have actually mentioned on the show in the past, because I believe he was doing... I want to say a Transformers comic, but I'm not sure. It could have been a G.I. Joe one. But I remember his name coming up before because we joked about how his artwork is not shitty. <laughs> uh, it's actually very good. Uh, and it is. It's it's very good artwork that in the preview pages they show here. So uh, I'm interested in that as an event. Uh, I'm not looking at all of the spinoff things and, and everything else. Um, I'm only interested in the two main spinoffs, which is Avengers and Fantastic Four, uh, which they show Empire number zero Avengers and Empire number zero Fantastic Four. I do have both of these issues, and I have the Road to Empire um, number one. So I haven't read any of those yet. I don't know what's going on with those yet because I do want to get caught up on my Avengers reading before I jump into this. I'm like four or five issues behind on Avengers, so not too far behind. Um, and if you're just joining us for the first time, just to let you know, I'm typically behind on my reading right now. <laughs> so, so you hear me mention often about how I'm getting caught up on a title or I'm behind on a title or something like that. Uh, I am working very hard on getting caught up as, as much as I can with everything going on. Like reading a comic is like my break from everything else that is going on. So, um, I'm trying to read at least one to two a day and then on the weekends reading even more than that. So. Uh, it does help me in getting caught up on stuff. Uh, then we also have tied into Empire, uh, Lords of Empire, Emperor Hulkling number one. Uh, 
this it's a one shot so this is one that i'm kind of interested in reading because it gives some backstory and everything else that i think would be very good to read um then they also have the empire handbook number one which is also a one shot the handbooks are kind of cool like if you like the ohatmu which is the official handbook of the marvel universe uh, if you like those uh types of things uh if you ever else by the way again kind of pass along knowledge if you never knew what ohatmu stood for you may have heard people mention ohatmu when they were talking about marvel universe but it stands for the official handbook of the marvel universe um and it's where they do character sheets on on characters so you get uh, a image of the character and then you get uh their first appearance and you get information about them and and like uh, who their secret identity is what uh, teams they're affiliated with and then like a brief history about the character and stuff like that. So that's what they are. Uh, So this is the Empire Handbook. So it focuses on the characters that are in Empire. Not something I'm looking to get. I do have a bunch of those ones that they've done for past story arcs and everything else, but uh, they just kind of sit there for me. Like I love them. I love flipping through them and then I just, I never do anything else with them. Uh, I think they're a great reference book, but I have so many reference books when it comes to Marvel and DC. So it just, I don't really need any more. Uh, then we have uh, Marvel zombies resurrection. Number one of four. If you like Marvel zombies, this is probably something you're going to want to pick up. Uh, I remember reading the first Marvel zombies miniseries, and I believe the second one, and I did enjoy both of those. Um, but then I was kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done with where this Marvel zombies thing is going to go. I don't know what they're going for here. I know people that love anything zombie and they love the Marvel zombie stuff. Then this is for you. It's something I'm going to pass on. Um, not because I don't think it's good. I, I'm sure it's probably a very fun read. Um, it does feel a little bit like Marvel's grasping at straws though. Like, Hey, people loved Marvel zombies in the past. Let's bring that back. That doesn't mean it's gonna be a bad story. It could be a very good story. The artwork could be very good. Um, but it's just something where I was just like, eh, I don't, I don't need this particular cash grab. Sometimes cash grabs are fine. And that's the thing I do hear people talk about. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, this is just a cash grab for the, for the publisher, for Marvel, for DC, whatever. Um, I got news for you. They're all cash grabs right now. They, they always have been cash grabs. Every comic that's ever been produced has been a cash grab because they want your cash for the comic. They are hoping it sells like crazy. So they're going to do events. They're going to do new number ones. They're going to do uh, tie-ins and crossovers and everything they can do to try to get your money. That doesn't mean they're not going to tell a good story. They very well could tell a good story. Hell, my comic, I hope it's. I hope the Kickstarter goes apeshit bananas so that I could do even more. I'll tell you right now, like it, we didn't hit our goal last time. I'm just praying and hoping we hit our goal this time. Now, if for some crazy reason, and I hope there's a crazy reason that this occurs, we bl- blow it out of the water, like we go, we get way beyond what we were asking for, I'm going to put that money into the comic. Hell, if we get enough, if we say we double or triple the, uh, the amount that we were asking for, which can happen, I mean, I, I'm not counting on that, but it can happen, if that happens... Hell, I'll produce issue number two because this, I do have plans for more than just issue one. By no means am I going to be taking the money, but once the comic's produced, 
I want to take it to a publisher and I want it to sell like crazy because, yeah, I want my comic to sell. That doesn't mean I'm not going to tell a good story. Um, and I think that's what people mean by cash grab sometimes is they're like, oh, they're doing this just to try to get our money, but they're not going to actually tell us a good story. Some things like Marvel Zombies can feel like that, and I totally get that. But I also wouldn't judge it before reading it. So while it's not something that interests me to read it, it's not because I think it's just a cash grab. It just doesn't interest me right now to read it. Um, if I hear from other people, oh my god, it was so good. You actually, If you like the other Marvel Zombies, you will really like this one. Then maybe I'll somehow pick up in a trade or something. I don't know. But... Um, but yeah, it just the whole it's like someone saying, "Well, you're not a real Star Wars fan if you don't like this or don't do this or whatever." It's like if you're a fan, you're a fan. Um, it's kind of the same thing here. Like every comic that comes out is a cash grab. They want it to sell like crazy. There are executives that don't give a shit if it's a good story or not. And guess what? In the past, there was publishers that didn't give a shit if it was a good story back then either. Uh, they want it to be a good story because if it's a good story, more people will read it and more people will buy it. That's all they care about. Um, I do think there's some publishers out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm, if anyone's listening to this and they're a publisher and they're like, I do care about comics and I'm a publisher. There are publishers out there that care about comics. Just like we were talking about, or I was talking about earlier when it comes to police officers, there's a lot of good police officers out there. They, they, you know, unfortunately there's some bad ones out there. Um, there's probably right now nowadays there's unfortunately probably more bad publishers out there that are just focused on getting those sales figures up. Um, I could be completely wrong about that, and if I am, I apologize. But I do. It just feels that way. Uh, it comes across that way. But that doesn't mean that aren't publishers out there that are folk. Yes, they're focused on the dollars, but they're focused on telling good stories to try to get those dollars. So. Um, so like I said, that Marvel Zombies one might be fantastic. I don't know. We'll see. Then we have uh, Champions number one. I'm really looking forward to this uh, issue because I really liked Champions in the past. And I read Champions Outlawed number one, and I thought that was actually a really good issue, really good story. So the next page we're going to talk about the Agenda comic that I mentioned earlier in the episode. Before I get into that, I want to point out that Champions number one is a sign of a good comic with good diversity. So I wanted to be able to show a positive sign of a of diverse comic uh, as far as the characters go. I don't know about the creative team. I'm not familiar with all of them that are on the creative team. But from a character standpoint, you have... A bunch of diversity in the characters. You've got Sam Alexander. He's you know most of the characters here are you know you have Miles Morales. You have uh, I believe Dust is on the team. Like you've got a good variety. Uh, Miss Marvel's on the team. Uh, Viv, who is just a robot. I mean she's not any ethnicity at all. <laughs> um, so. I feel like if uh, Amadeus Cho has been on the team as uh, Braun, I think he's still on the team, if I remember right. Um, but, like, the champions are a really good example of a fun comic that has a story focus, 
but still has some agenda issues in it. Like it still has some things that it touches on in it. In, in, but they do it in a way that reminds me of the old X-Men. Like X-Men was dealing with racism. If you didn't know that you lived under a rock for, I don't know how long. Um, this, the champion story kind of feels similar to that in, in that they're dealing with real issues, but they're dealing with it in a way that of just telling a good story. So I really liked the Champions Outlawed issue. I'm looking forward to the Champions uh, new ongoing issue issue series. Um, but yeah, it's it's to me it's good storytelling. And hey, you got a lot of diversity in there. So there's if you identify with somebody of a particular race or gender or anything like that, I feel like there's a good chance in Champions that you'll find someone to connect with in that respect. Personally, I connect with a lot of them because of what they stand for and what their values are. And so, like, that's how I connect with characters. I don't need the character to be a white male for me to connect with the character. Um, like, I connect with Miss Marvel a lot of times in the Champions story. Like, I kind of get where she's coming from and some of the things that she's having to deal with. Um, I connect with Viv a few times, and she's a freaking android. Uh, but I kind of get where she's coming from. Like, Champions reminds me of, of the issues I've read. Reminds me a bit of a little bit of uh, Young Justice. If you ever read the DC Young Justice series, like it was fun and and cheesy at times, but there was some really heartfelt moments. Like this one's a little bit Champions is a little bit more serious than Young Justice was. But I remember Young Justice. Like the reason I love that series so much is that it really dealt with some intense emotional issues, and I feel like Champions does the same thing. So. Like I said, Champions is an excellent example of a diverse comic that is telling a good story. Just happens to have diverse characters. That's and that's the way it should be. It should and and they deal with some of that also. Like Miss Marvel deals with her religion in these issues and in her own title and everything else. Like, but it doesn't come across as preachy at all. It just comes across as telling a good story with a character that has to deal with things. Just like. Nightcrawler had to deal with looking like a demon and being religious, um, and you had to deal. And you had uh, Kitty Pride. You know, her religion would come up sometimes of her being Jewish. You know, there was things like that that came up in X Men, but it was never like, "Hey, this is who this character is." The character was never divine, defined by them being male, female, black, white, or anything like that. They were def- or defined by their the struggles that they were dealing with, it was just, those all were part of their character development and, and it played a factor into their story that they were telling. So now we're going to get into the one that is all agenda all the time. And I have no idea what the hell it's about. So new warriors, it's a mini series. It's tied into the outlawed, Storyline. I am not getting this title. Um, I'm not concerned about all the tie-ins for Outlawed. Uh, I'm going to read Champions, and that's it. Um, and I'm sure some of these characters are going to pop up in it. Um, everything that I have seen about this has been about agenda. Because you have characters. So if you remember the original New Warriors, you had uh, Firestar, Rage, Night Thrasher, uh, 
Namorita, um, Speedball, uh, Silhouette, like very cool characters. Uh, they, again, a diverse, diverse group of characters. And they had adventures and they were cool characters and like what eventually happened to Speedball becoming Penance and stuff, like all of that was deep um, stuff. So, uh, love Night Thrasher's story and everything else. Then these characters come out. And I watched the video from Marvel. Now, I've watched some reaction videos, admittedly, afterwards. Uh, but they, all the reaction videos kind of spoke to the same things that I had problems with. And it looks like a lot of people have problems with this. The Marvel video trailer they released about New Warriors, they talk about the characters. And I shouldn't even say they talk about the characters. They talk about what the characters are. And I don't say who they are. I say what they are. Because there's a difference. Who you are defines you as a character. Like, what your struggles are, what what your um, uh, what your history is, where you're going with your life. Um, those are who you are. What you are is if you're white, black, male, female, um, straight, gay. That's, that's what you are. These are things that are in your DNA um, and make up the physical manifestations or uh, psychological manifestations, things like that. The the new warriors characters. And when you watch the trailer is very focused on what these characters are and not who they are. So they talk about the one character she has. um, She's basically an overweight character, which I know there's been overweight characters. You have Blob, you have uh, Gold Balls, which I can't remember what his new name is, but Gold Balls will, will work. But I'm sorry, but if you are going to truly hang with other superheroes, you gotta, you're going to either get in shape or you got to get in shape. Um, and I speak this as someone who is overweight. Like I'm working on that myself. It's a struggle that I deal with. Um, I never did when I was a kid, but I do now. Um, by no means do I think I could be a superhero tomorrow just because I get a magical backpack. But they want to they want to identify with people that are overweight, and you can be a hero too. And guess what? Yes, in the real world, you can be a hero too. You can help others, and you can um, do the right thing for others, and you could save someone's life. You absolutely can be a hero. Um, but putting on spandex and running around with a magical backpack with other heroes that have superpowers and so on. Like, I don't see that happening for someone that's overweight. And I don't mean to be cruel about that, but that's just, it's a fact. You're going to get winded. You're not going to be able to keep up. Like, I, I just don't get this whole thought. Um, and like I said, I'm speaking as someone who does get winded when I run, you know, like I, I take, 30 steps running and I'm I'm like okay I don't want to run anymore <laughs> um so well that might not be the case as much for me now as it was uh when I was 40 pounds heavier but like you said it's just like they so that's one character and they focused on that too that's the thing too they they focused the only thing I know about this character is that she's overweight and she has a backpack a magical backpack that she can pull items out of that's all I know about her I don't know I don't even remember what the hell her name was. 
because they didn't really talk about they didn't talk that much about it i don't know what her background is i don't know you know where she got the backpack why why is it magical like we i don't know any of these things i don't know why she how she became part of the team is she the leader is she backup leader? like i don't know what her function is even on the team they don't tell you then we got like the goth vampire character because you have the go have to have the goth vampire character for this new age group and I know nothing about him other than he's this goth-looking vampire character. I don't know if he's got a fun personality like Nightcrawler does. I mentioned him, him earlier. Like Nightcrawler is a fun guy. Like he he's good-natured and everything else. I don't know if that's this character or not, or if he's just like gloom and doom. I don't I don't know anything about this character. Um, then we have um, there was a character. I don't even remember his name either. But there's a character who gets. Um, computer powers, like you can hack in any system and control technology from some type of gas that he was, it, it was the dumbest origin I'd, I'd heard. <laughs> like it was just, he gets this computer gas, like a computer virus, and it allows him to do this thing. And I know there's been some crazy, stupid origins, and that's fine. Like this one just sounded more ridiculous than most. Um, his power seems cool, but whatever. And then we get into the twins. I think they're twins, but we have Snowflake and Safe Space. And they potentially picked those names because those were negative. Kind of, there's negative connotations with those names. But these heroes, they're gonna, they're gonna take that negative connotation. They're gonna spin it into uh, a positive thing and being heroic and stuff like that. Their powers seem cool. Like, they seem interesting. Like, Snowflake, you can imagine it's ice powers. And Safe Space, he can create a shield, but he can only do create this protective shield if it's in uh, safe to, to protect someone else. So that's why he's called Safe Space. Power seems interesting. It seems limiting, which is can be very interesting in a story. Um, but Safe Space also is transgender, which, again... No problem with a transgender character, but that's all I know about this character. Like I read Altered, I had mentioned this a while ago. That was a transgender character. Yes, he dealt with trans with the issues of being a boy and feeling like a girl, and had powers. And when he went out in his superhero alter ego, he went out as a girl, and so everyone was looking for a female superhero who that female superhero is and here it was this boy living at home and struggling with what he uh this whole realization of who he who he is it was a very good story um it was very well done it was done it had some hints of x-men in it and stuff like that it was i really enjoyed reading it and that was a transgender character but i knew that there was more about him or her again, depending. I you know, I say him or her because in that story it was a struggle going on for that character to to find herself. Um, I th- and I can't remember if Safe Space is actually transgender or if it's or if Safe Space is just non-binary. I can't remember what they said about Safe Space, but I think it was transgender. Um, 
But I, I know even transgender people that were like, they don't like this character because it fits every stereotype that people think about when, like, he wears this pink leotard outfit that's just, like, could you get more cliched with the character? Like, and they're trying to force this of, like, well, he's just taking the stereotype and just using it as a, as a, you know, positive message instead of people spinning it into negative. So maybe that's why he wears pink too. I don't know. But that's, again, all I know about these characters, I don't even know the characters' real names. I don't know how they got their powers. I don't know why they're with the team. I don't know anything about any of these characters when it comes to the story. I don't know why they come together or anything like that. I'm going to read you the, you know, the story in, in here that they give. Uh, which gives you more than that trailer ever gave you. So it says, uh, "Don't call it a comeback, or Night Thrasher will knock you out. Or better yet, he'll go. He'll get one of the new recruits to do it." With Kamala's law in full effect, and that, by the way, is Miss Marvel. Is who Kamala is? Uh, forbidding unsupervised superheroics by anyone under age of 21. It's time for the new warriors to step up. Thrasher reunites with Firestar, Rage, Speedball, Namorita, Silhouette to mentor a whole new generation of heroes, whether they like it or not, introducing the new new warriors and the uh, and the epic of their thrilling new adventure. So I just said that this told me more story than their trailer did, yet I'm sure you can tell this told me absolutely nothing either. There's like, okay, there's a new law prevents younger people from becoming using powers and stuff like that. The original new warriors decide they're going to train the next generation of new warriors, whether they like it or not. I don't even know what that means. Like do these new character, new characters with powers don't want to be trained. They don't want to be heroes and they're being forced to like, I don't know what any of that means. All I know is the original new warriors are going to train the new new warriors. I don't know why they're being trained. I don't know any like and I don't they don't even mention the new new warriors names in this. The trailer had to mention what the names were. And like I said that trailer told me nothing. This is an agenda comic. Their whole focus is on what these characters are, not who they are. That's the shit that pr- drives me crazy. And I saw people post, comic book creators posting stuff about this, going, this is pissing off all the right people in all the right ways. No, it's not. You're pissing off people that want to buy comics and don't know what the hell you're selling here. Your job as a creator should be to help promote your work. It should be to help make people want to buy your comic not to piss people off that is the wrong direction that doesn't no that does not mean that you cater to the majority if you have a message delivered by all means deliver the message but your focus shouldn't be this comic's going to piss people off because that you're you're not trying to sell your comic like, you're just hoping it pisses off enough people that no one wants to buy it, I guess. The biggest thing with arguments is you don't... If you want to connect with someone 
if you want to reach across the aisle, if you want to, to use a, f- a political phrase, if you want to reach across the aisle and get someone to see things from your viewpoint and at least have them listen to you, then reach across the aisle. Don't yell across the aisle. Don't go at them with a fist. Reach across the aisle and say, hey, I've got a really good story to, t- to share with you. And you might get something out of it, but it's a really good story. How many of you, if you heard something that's a really good story, would at least listen? And then maybe you do get something out of it. That's a good, that's what a story should do. That's what it's meant to do. I don't get this whole, oh, we're going to piss off a whole lot of people with this. No, you're going to have really low sales numbers. That's that's what you're going to do. You're not going to piss anybody off because no one's going to buy it. So, hey, and I could, again, I could be wrong. This new Warriors title could sell like hotcakes. It could be one of the biggest sellers out there. Maybe, maybe it will be. I don't know. I don't think it will be. If your goal is to piss everybody off because, well, these, these, this character's transgender. That's why no one likes this character. No, that's not why people don't like this character. People don't like that character because your focus is the fact that he's transgender. Your focus is the fact that his name is Safe Space because, well, people want to use that as a negative. We're going to turn it into a positive. We're going to shove it in their faces. That's not how you win hearts and minds to bring up a G.I. Joe comic from the past. (laughs) Okay, it was a term before that G.I. Joe comic, but that's a really good G.I. Joe comic. Um, But, yeah, you you just don't. So... End of my soapbox. I really don't know what the hell Marvel's thinking with this. Um, I think it's just some creators that think this is what we have to do to shove stuff in people's faces. Well, all you're going to do is piss people off and they're just not going to want to buy your comics. So therefore they're never going to get your message, whatever your message is. Um, I personally would have loved reading the new, new warriors, uh, mini series. If I knew what the hell it was about. I don't know what it's about, so I'm not going to read it. If your whole focus is these are who these characters are, or what these characters are, I should say, because you're not telling me who they are, tell me what they are. This is what these characters are. That's your whole thing. That sh- and that's supposed to be enough to get me to want to read it. No, it's not. My comic's a stealth hammer. It's about a female character, and she fight stuff. That's actually probably telling you more than what they even told you in New Warriors. She's a female character who just, uh, she's a female character, so you should buy it because she's a female character. Girl power. No, that's not good enough. That's not, that's not what my, no, 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 that's not what my story is about at all. (laughs) Um, so, we're going to do a whole Star Joe's episode to talk about the new Kickstarter. I'm going to have Joel on to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about him as an artist and everything else. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. You're going to actually learn about where, you know, new developments that I've built up uh, for stuff about this character and, and everything else. But I can rest, you can rest assured it is more than just about a female character in a comic book. That's not enough for you to want to back it. It's not enough for you to want to read it. So... Uh, speaking of characters that are interesting to read and are not agenda-based, um, although still very strong female character, awesome character, just very cool, 
Uh, Black Widow, number one. Um, I have said in the past that, uh, and it's still true, um, I don't really pick up a lot of Black Widow comics because they never last very long. I love the Black Widow character. I think she's amazing. And I have read some really good Black Widow stories. There was a Mark Wade run that was done not that long ago. Loved that run. Didn't last. For some reason, people just don't pick up the Black Widow comics. This one's going to be done by Kelly Thompson. Uh, I think Kelly Thompson's an excellent writer. Um, we'll see. I myself am not picking it up because, again, I've just kind of been burned too many times with Black Widow comics that they just don't last. If this one lasts and I heard it, heard it's good, again, I'll probably pick up the trade. But um, Black Widow is one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, but I just, again, get burned too many times. Uh, Black Widow, Widow Sting, number one. This is a pre, uh, prelude to the movie. Uh, you, you would think a Black Widow movie is coming out uh, with how much Black Widow stuff is here. Uh, they also have Widowmakers, Red Guardian, and Yelena Belova. So that's the blonde-haired Black Widow uh, that took over for Natasha when she was thought to be dead at one point. Um, so here's a, a one-shot featuring these two characters because, you know, there's a movie. Speaking of their, hey, there's a movie, is we have Taskmaster miniseries number one of five. Uh, this is, I don't like how the Taskmaster looks in the new movie. Uh, I wish they had just gone with the skull look or, you know, if they were doing the, the mask, the helmet thing that they did, if they did it with a skull on there, it probably would look more like Taskmaster, uh, wish they would have done the cape and stuff. He looks like a stunt man more so than Taskmaster, but still could be very cool. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, always liked Taskmaster, I lo but again, I loved his look and I loved what he did. I loved that you know he could watch somebody and mimic and learn their moves just by watching them. Um, so I thought that was a very cool power. Um, I know he's trained a lot of uh, villains. He's trained some heroes and stuff like that. Um, I don't need a miniseries about him. I like him when he shows up in stories. I think he's a cool character in that respect. Uh, then we have Strange Academy number two. Uh, this just recently came out, and uh, yeah, I I loved the first issue. I am looking forward to reading more of this. It's Scotty Young writing and Humberto Ramos drawing. Uh, I can tell you right now, Scotty Young is an excellent writer, as far as I'm concerned. Again, my personal taste. Uh, and then if Scotty Young's not going to draw it himself, which he could have, uh, then Humberto Ramos is a perfect person to be drawing something like this uh the only other person i would ever consider for this type of title to draw it would be uh chris bacalo uh or bacalo i think it's bacalo but um he would be perfect for this also because you need that you need someone that can draw like weird shit you're dealing with a mad school of magic i think humberto ramos can draw in that weird crazy style you can see it in the covers here and everything else um Scotty Young can definitely write for that. Um, I did read the Doctor Strange that was drawn by Chris Bocciolo. That's actually why I picked it up. I mean, I like Doctor Strange, but I picked it up because Chris Bocciolo was drawing it. And it was so weird and awesome. Uh, all the crazy details he put in and stuff like that. And Humberto Ramos, like I said, I think is a perfect person to be drawing uh, the crazy stuff that's 
Scotty Young is going to write. So uh, I love the first issue. Looking forward to more. Uh, Werewolf by Night. I was excited about this at first, and then I got less excited about it. <laughs> I love the Werewolf by Night character. Uh, this is number one of four. This is a new curse. It's a new person, uh, female character. I don't really care about the fact that they change it to a female character. You can have your gripes about it if you want. That's not why I just... It could have been a male character. I I like Jack Russell as my werewolf by night. It's just who I want as my werewolf by night. I don't know if he appears in this issue. It doesn't mention him anywhere in the description that I can see. Um, let's see. Oh, I guess it's a young man. I don't know. The drawing made it look like a woman. But... <laughs> Either way, again, I don't care because it's not Jack Russell. Uh, just maybe he appears later in the miniseries. Maybe he appears in this miniseries. I don't know. I just was like, oh, it's not Jack Russell. I don't really want to read this Werewolf by Night then. Uh, it's just, I love werewolf characters, but I, I don't know. There was just something that kind of turned me off as soon as I found out it wasn't Jack Russell in this because that's, that's who my Werewolf by Night is. Uh, and it's weird because I will read other stuff and I'm like, oh, this it's fine if Bruce Wayne isn't Batman. If you make it Dick Grayson, that, that doesn't bother me. But for some reason, this one, I just didn't want to read it. It just, it, it, I, and I think that's what it was. It just made me go, I don't really want to read it. It's not that I don't, it's not that I don't think it's a good story and it's not that I don't think that it couldn't be interesting with some other characters. Just like, yeah, it's just not the character I wanted to read. So, it's as simple as that. Uh, we have Children of the Atom. I was a little excited about this, and then again, it's one of those like New Warriors type things where when I watched the video, they were talking about everything other than who the hell these characters are and why. They, like it was about it was about what the characters were and not who they were again. So it was just like, oh, we're, they're going to be this type of character. Gen Zers or whatever the hell I can't remember what the hell it was but they, they tell you nothing like in the description tells you nothing um, they look like copycats of X-Men we know so there's a character that looks like Gambit there's a character that looks like Archangel there's a character that looks like Cyclops there's a character that looks like Nightcrawler uh, and then there's a character that seems to have similar powers to Jean Grey like doesn't look like Jean Grey, but has similar powers and has a color scheme kind of similar with the green and yellow that Jean Grey would wear at one time. So, and their power seems similar. So I'm just like, is this, did you do this because people were enjoying the all new X-Men that had the younger versions of the team and now you had to fix that and and which by the way I, I loved that series and I thought they did a very good job of wrapping it all together of them going back to the past and explaining how that worked and everything else like that was I actually thought that was done very very well but I feel like oh well we people seem to have liked that so we're going to now do these characters who are young versions of characters you already know it, and again, I, I have nothing when it comes to story for them. Like, I don't get what the heck's going on. And they try to make it seem like, well, that's the reason why you got to check it out because you don't know what's going on with these characters. No, I don't give a shit because I don't know what's going on with these characters. You got to tell me something about them. One of the things I learned about my failed Kickstarter, one of the reasons it it, one of a few reasons why it failed is because I was too focused on 
me as a creator and my artist as a creator and not enough on the story and what story I was telling. And like I said, I'm all about the story, so I don't know why I didn't focus on that, but that was one of the things. This X-Men thing, you're not telling me about the story. I don't know why these characters are here. So uh, then we have X-Factor number one. Uh, Love X-Factor. It's not being written by Peter David, which is a shame. Uh, And this is definitely not my X-Factor team. Uh, The closest we have to my X-Factor team on here is we have Polaris is on the team. That's the only person from the X-Factor team that I knew that was here. And X-Men really has become um, like 90s X-Men, where there's just way too many X-Titles out there. And so I've kind of cut it off. Uh, was going to cut all X-Men out, and I was like, no, I love the X-Men. I want to be able to read some X-Men. So I'm reading X-Men, New Mutants, Excalibur, and uh, Marauders. Marauders is awesome. Um, so those are the titles I'm reading. Those four, I'm not getting any other ones, so I'm not getting X-Factor. Uh, I just don't... It, it, there's not enough there to compel me to do that. Uh, a title that just recently came out... Uh, was uh, X-Men God Loves Man Kills extended cut so there's a two-parter for this and it's basically reprinting, retelling the that story it's a classic story if you've never read it before well worth picking up and, and getting this uh, reprint of it uh, then we have Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler number one love Nightcrawler, he's one of my favorites um, and this is a story by Jonathan Hickman and art by Alan Davis that is awesome um, then we have Marvel's uh, Snapshots. So we have Captain America Marvel Snapshot number one, and we have X-Men Marvel Snapshot number one. I have the Captain America one. I read it. You will actually see a post probably before this episode comes out on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, or follow Star Joe's on Instagram, I should say. Um, I love the issue. Much like uh, the Marvel's story itself is, it tells the story from uh, the regular citizen on the street perspective. So while this story is with Captain America, Captain America doesn't appear a lot in the issue. It's more so the effects of what Captain America was involved in and how it impacted this kid and uh, and then Captain America comes back into his life later and it's really compelling. It's a really good story. Um, the artwork initially when I flipped through it I didn't care for it but it grew on me as I read the issue so um, so yeah I thought it was really good so I'm also looking forward to the X-Men one um, I think that could be really good so uh, then we have Amazing Spider-Man Sin's Rising Prelude so they've been building up this whole Sin Eater character um, in Amazing Spider-Man they've been showing hints of him here and there working things behind the scenes he's a really creepy ass character uh, it seems like they're culminating up to a storyline with him, and then this is the prelude that maybe tells you his story and everything else, like who he is and everything. So um, that should be very interesting. Uh, then we have uh, Web of Venom, Wraith number one. So they're going to be doing uh, some more Venom stories and everything else. They've been doing some Web of Carnage things and Web of Venom and everything else. Wraith is a character that came from... Annihilation storylines. Uh, he appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that, but he's a character they haven't used in a long time. I thought he was a cool-looking character, had an interesting story. Um, 
but then they didn't use him for a long time. So I thought he was just one of those characters like, yeah, we had him for this event, we had him for this story. And then he just wasn't that good of a character for us to keep him around or keep using him. Evidently, I was wrong. I mean, he yeah, he was gone for a while, but now they brought him back. And uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, not an issue I'm looking to get, but I think it's cool that they brought the character back. Um, found this interesting. They're having uh, How to Read Comics the Marvel Way, number one of four. So there was the whole How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. This is How to Read Them. Uh, evidently, there's a particular way to read Marvel comics. Um, I think it's good for anyone that's never read comics. It's probably something good that you can give to them and say, hey, here's actually instructions on how to best read a comic. I'm, I don't know if that's really what it is. It's four issue miniseries. I mean, you could probably cover it in one issue, but I don't know. Uh, we have Star Wars number five. Uh, I have read all of Star Wars, the last run. I'm not caught up on the current run. I haven't even started the current run because I want to finish reading Dr. Afra because that gets relaunched. Um, and then I can read the in-between uh, issue. There was an issue that kind of sets things up for the new Darth Vader series and the new Star Wars series and the new Dr. Afra series. So I want to get caught up on Dr. Afra. I've been wanting to for a while. Um, but this whole Star Wars series takes place after... Uh, uh, they, it's after Empire Strikes Back. So all the effects of that. Speaking of Dr. Afra, she gets a new number one. Uh, that's and so there's number one and two mentioned here in this previews. Here's the thing too: like these previews came out before the whole shutdown and everything else. So the stuff I'm mentioning here, some of it uh, is out now. Some of it is postponed. Some of it, I don't know, might never come out. Not sure, but. Um, but it was all worth kind of talking about. Uh, so that's why we're here. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number three. Love Bounty Hunters. Uh, this focuses on uh, Valance, uh, Baylert Valance, who was a character in the old Marvel series. Uh, they reinvigorated him and put him into the Solo Cadet miniseries. Uh, and he wasn't cybernetic there. And he had stuff happen to him. And then they did a uh, miniseries called uh, Star Wars Target Vader. That miniseries was awesome. And that focused on Valance. And he was now a bounty hunter with cybernetic parts. And then you kind of found out like what happened to him that he eventually had to have cybernetics added to him. Uh, and then now you get this, and then that led into this bounty hunters. The cool thing is each one of those you could read by themselves. So you could read the cadet solo, uh, solo cadet or cadet solo storyline. You could read the, uh, target Vader, and then you could also read bounty hunters all by themselves. Totally get the story. Totally be fine. But if you read all of them in, in that order of solo cadet, then target Vader and then bounty hunters, you get so much more because it all has the central character of Baylor Valance. And he is very interesting, very compelling. Um, reminds me of like what they did with Dr. Afro where it's like you're introducing a new character and you make her interesting enough that you want to keep reading about her. This, they reinvented an old character and it makes you want to keep reading about him. So uh, then we have Darth Vader number three. Uh, I thought this was very cool. Star Wars, the action figure variant covers number one. So 
It's all the action figure covers by John Tyler Christopher. It's a one shot. Um, I wish they had done this in like a hardcover where you could get so you can open it up and, and not damage it, but it seems like it's just going to be a, a regular cover, like a regular comic issue, but it's going to have all the covers in it. So um, just thought it was interesting. So uh, then we have, uh, let's see here. We've got some trades and hardcovers here. We have the Marvel art of Savage Sword of Conan. I thought that was interesting. So it's a hardcover collection of all these uh, really cool art probably mostly the covers from the Savage Sword of Conan. So for those Conan fans out there, I thought that would be good. And then a couple other things. We have Amazing Spider-Man 2099 Companion trade paperback. So th they did a um, a storyline where it, was, it went into the Marvel 2099. I have the storyline. I have not read all of it. Uh, I haven't read any of it yet. I'm getting caught up on my Spider-Man also. But it, this collects that whole storyline. So there was a bunch of one-shots they did. They did an um, uh, Alpha issue, an Omega issue, Conan issue, Doom, Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Spider-Man, and Venom. Then there was all... These are all the one-shots. That's why they call it the Companion. Then there was also the main storyline that went through Amazing Spider-Man. So um, I love the 2099 universe. I think more could be done with it. Uh, I love the original versions of the characters. Uh, this would be something that I would love to write. I would love to write a 2099 universe comic. Uh, I think it would be very cool. You could spot, like, almost do it like how they did Unlimited for it. They did a 2099 Unlimited. Um, and I really liked that because you could, you were able to tell, like, you'd spot, they would spot, like, different characters. Like, that's where Hulk of 2099 first appeared. But then they, you know, they could have, they were able to spotlight other characters through it too. And that was always very, very cool. Um, Star Wars, The Rise of Kylo Ren trade paperback. I have read the first two issues of that so far. Really good. Really like it. I just haven't finished it yet. Uh, Star Wars Legends, Epic Collections, The Rebellion. So this collects uh, a bunch of the Rebellion uh, series, one through 16. Um, you get Star Wars Boba Fett Overkill, which is a one-shot. Star Wars Boba Fett uh, Half Issue. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic uh, slash Rebellion Zero Issue. Uh, and then Star Wars Tales snippets from Star Wars Tales numbers 3, 15, 17, and 21. That's why when I say like people are like, oh, Star Wars Tales it was out of continuity stories. No, not all of it was. Some of it was. But some things, that, there's a reason they pull out little snippets in here to put in these traits because there's some things that are worth reading in star Wars tales, uh, that tie into the continuity that took place during the dark horse time period. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something, you know, uh, I love these trades that they're doing. Uh, then you have star Wars Jedi fallen order, dark temple trade paperback. Again, I've read, I think the first one or two issues. I like it. It's not great. It's good. It's, it's just not great Star Wars yet. Um, I, I do want to finish it. I was hoping it was going to tell me more of the story of the characters in Fallen Order, this, the video game. I thought maybe it would just be a, 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 an adaptation of that, but it doesn't seem to be like that. It seems to be telling its own story, which is totally fine. I just, 
it just wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, and the story they're telling, it's good. It's just like, I'm hoping it gets better. Like, I hope there's more like, oh, wow, I really want to learn more about these characters. And right now it's just like, okay, I'm reading about some Jedi Knights and this apprentice and like, it's, it's good. It's just, I don't know if it's memorable. Good. So, um, then we have uh, Captain Marvel, The Many Lives of Carol Danvers. I thought that was an interesting trade uh, to collect. Something I would definitely would, would want to read. Uh, and then for the Heroes Reborn uh, fans out there, there's a new printing of Heroes Reborn Avengers trade paperback. Um, I did have the trades of all these. Uh, I don't know if I still do or not. out the look. But, um, yeah, Reborn was a... That wasn't good. Um, I remember the Fantastic Four one being pretty decent. Like, I remember the first couple issues of that and really liking it. Yeah, the Avengers one, I can't say was a big fan of that one. Uh, then there's a bunch of Milestone comics for X-Men, which I really like that they're doing this. It's it's just like, here's some really classic X-Men stories that are worth reading. So they did Necrotia and Messiah War. So they're, they're not, these ones aren't super old like they've done with some of the other ones, but they, they're good stories and they've put them together here for you. So uh, then they have a new printing of Wolverine Weapon X trade paperback, which collects the Marvel Comics Presents issues, which is probably one of the best uh, Wolverine stories ever made. So, um, And then they're continuing the What If Classics, uh, the Complete Collection, Volume 4. I was very glad to see them continuing that. Um, and that's all from Marvel. That was, that was a lot, but that's all from Marvel. Um, it is now... Jeez, it's quarter to one in the morning. I started at 11-something. <laughs> so I've been talking for a while. but And we've only gotten through uh, Marvel Catalog. Of course, we did the Lego Catalog, too. And then you also heard my ridiculous tangent. Um, well, I shouldn't say ridiculous, but you got to hear a lot of viewpoints that I have that maybe you just didn't really want to be hearing, so... Sorry, not sorry, uh, as the saying goes, because there were things I felt were important to say uh, for me, and it gives you more insight as to who I am. So um, this is the guy you're listening to. What else can I say? It's late at night. You're getting some wacky shit from me. So anyways, we're going to get we're going to power through, though. We're going to keep going. So uh, we might just go a little bit faster. So uh, with DC, we have the Joker 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. Number one, I love these 80th anniversary 100 page spectaculars. They could keep doing these for as long as they want to. I have read the Joker one. Joker one was awesome. There's maybe one or two stories that are just kind of eh, but most of the stories are really, really good. Like, I really enjoyed them. Um, and also tied into that, there's the uh, Catwoman one. I thought the Catwoman one was really good. I love seeing the pinups of the different decades for the different characters. So they not only do covers for every decade, but inside you can see, like, they'll do, sometimes they'll do covers from comics from those decades. Sometimes they'll just do this is what the character looked like from those decades. Sometimes they'll have artists draw the characters for those decades for different pinups and everything. And then you get a bunch of stories in between that are told by creators that have written and drawn these characters in the past at some point. Um, 
they're all done really well. They're cool one shot store, you know, one shots, and they're just they're cool stories in there. Um, if you're just looking, for, like, if you just want to read some good Catwoman stories or some just good Joker stories, and you don't have to worry about continuity and stuff like that, get these eighty page giants. They're 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 worth the money to pick up. Now, the Joker one, if I remember right, does have a story that ties into stuff that's going going to be happening in Joker War, but it's a self-contained story. You don't have to read anything else. So I think it's awesome. So keep doing these. I read the Green Lantern one, uh, which I think is in the later previews or something like that. Uh, so probably in the next episode. But I want them to keep doing these. So, because they're, they're well worth the money, they're well worth reading. So, um, then we have Batman 92 and 93. Uh, this is all setting up for the Joker War. I actually read up to issue 92. I have to read issue 93, uh, but I did read up to issue 92. Really liking this. Uh, James Tinney in the fourth is doing a fantastic job. Uh, taking over after Tom King left the title. Uh, I've always liked James Tinian's writing. Uh, you have Gilliam March doing the, the art, which the art is fantastic. Um, you really get a good Batman story. Like, you're getting, like, there's this character who is called the designer who was setting things up, and the uh, he you find out some stuff that happened in the past and you find how the Joker messed with them and some other things are being set up. You learn about this new character punchline who is not like they, they want to play it off. Some people want to play it off as if she is the new love interest, like that replaced Harley, but she's not, she's like really just the Joker's apprentice. Like she's, she's his partner in, it's almost like, it's more like Batman and Robin is with each other. Like that's what punchline is to Joker. So at least that's how it's coming across to me so far. But you do get Punchline having to face off against uh, Harley Quinn at one point. So, and I'm sure it'll happen again. But, um, but yeah, really, really taking this story, um, looking forward to it. The only reason I haven't read issue 93 is because I want to read some of the other prelude to Joker War stories that came out before it. So there's a couple Nightwing issues that I that I got that I want to read those. And then I'll read issue 93. Um, it probably doesn't matter at all, but it's just something I want to do. Uh, I want to read them in the order that they were released. Um, we have Wonder Woman Tempest Tossed. This is a new, uh, young adults graphic novel. I have really been enjoying these. Like I know they're geared towards a younger audience and yeah, when you read them, like they're simple, I don't want to say simpler stories. They're really not. They're just, I can see why they would appeal to a younger reader. Um, if that's probably the best way to say it, like it's not, it doesn't talk down. It doesn't tell a, a easier story or anything like that. I read the, um, Batgirl one. I read, I'm reading the Oracle one right now, which is really good. Um, and there was another one that I read too, and I, I'm blanking on what it was, but, um, I was interested in this, Tempest one because the artwork's also really good in these. Like I really do like uh, the art style that's used, so, um, so I think that's very very cool. Um, then we have let's see here uh, the Flash. I am actually caught up on the Flash. There's I well I shouldn't say I'm caught up. I have 
one issue I'm behind on uh, and the annual. So I'm one issue and one annual behind on the Flash. Uh, but other than that, I'm caught up on. So this had uh, Flash issues 753 and 754, which I've read both of those. Uh, this deals with uh, Paradox, who's uh, someone that was created because of things that the Flash did uh, by traveling in the past and everything else. Um, very good story. Joshua Williamson is unfortunately leaving the Flash. Uh, so I'm sad to see that happen because he's been on the title since Rebirth. And that is, and he's had an awesome run. So I don't know who the new creator is going to be on it. Um, but like I said, I have loved his run. It's been really, really good. Um, then we have uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe issue number six. So this, uh, I'm sorry, Masters of the Multiverse issue number six. So I haven't read issue number six, but I have read issues one through five. And I really like it. Like if you like Masters of the Universe and you like different versions of it, so you like the... New Adventure is why you would like New Adventure. I don't know why. But outside of that, if you like the cartoon, if you like the toys, if you liked um, the movie from from uh, the 80s, like there is all of those versions played into this miniseries. Like every version you can think of for He-Man is here. Like it's kind of crazy. Like there's the video game version from the one, it, I can't remember the name of the game, but it's basically where you, you, you're you're this little He-Man and runs in and just starts pounding away at, you know, and makes coins pop up and everything else. Like, that version of the character is in this story. Like, it's, and it's a good story, too. You have Keldor, who, from a, a certain dimension, who's actually a good guy, and they recruit him to help take care of some of the evil Keldors that are out there, obviously Skeletor. Um, it's a, it, it's really good. I'm looking forward to reading the last issue. I have it on my stack. It's at, in fact, it's not too far from me right now. Um, so yeah, it's, I would, if you're a fan of He-Man, I would say pick it up. Uh, if it ever comes to like trade or anything like that, if you didn't get the miniseries. Uh, One Woman Dead Earth number three. I read the first issue of One Woman Dead Earth. Absolutely loved it. I do have issues two and three. Just haven't read them yet. But it was not what I was expecting. I have been very impressed with the Black Label stories. Um, they're good. It's like basically what they've been doing with Black Labels, which is what is kind of what I feel like DC just needs to do, which is throw away all continuity and just have creators tell good stories with these characters. So this is kind of an Elseworlds story. It's, it doesn't take place in any type of continuity necessarily. Um, it's just a good Wonder Woman story. That's it's, it's different and a good kind of different. Um, it's got really good art. The, the person who writes it is also one that draws it. It's Daniel, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson very good storyteller, very good artwork. It's a, it's a unique style. It might not be for everybody, but I really liked it. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. So, uh, then we have young justice number 15. I'm actually getting caught up on young justice, really enjoying that. Um, if you like the original young justice series, I would highly recommend picking up this young justice series. I think it's, uh, on par as far as the feel of it and the fun of it, everything else. Uh, Far Sector uh, is a young animals title. Um, 
I only read the first issue. I have heard from people that say that it's actually really good. The first issue didn't impress me. It was kind of ho-hum for me, uh, which is why I haven't read any more of it. But I really do need to read more of it um, because it's Green Lantern. And right now, I'm not getting anything good Green Lantern to read. Uh, Grant Morrison title, I have not gotten past issue three still. Uh, I need to try to read through it and power through it um, because it's my favorite character. But I've heard from a few people that like this, it's just, it's very Morrison-y. And when I read the Green Lantern 80th anniversary issue, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm missing. Like, is these Green Lantern stories are actually really good and I'm really enjoying reading this. I wish I got more of this. This is why I love this character. And damn it, why can't I have something like this? Um, so I do need to read Far Sector just to hopefully give me some type of Green Lantern story that I can enjoy. Like I said, the first issue I thought was good. It wasn't bad. It just was kind of like, eh. Like, you're introducing a brand new Green Lantern in her own series, or, or mini-series. I guess I was just expecting something that popped a little bit more for me. Uh, it's definitely told differently like it's not your typical green lantern story which is good and, it, and it's done in a good way unlike the morrison stuff that's being told in a different way and i'm like i don't like this uh but yeah so but far sector like i said it's decent it's just i wasn't blown away by the first issue um not that i need to not that you always need to be blown away by the first issue but it just yeah it just didn't grip me like i was hoping it would um the dreaming number 20 it ends the dreaming storyline, uh, Simon Spurrier. I read the, only the first two issues of the dreaming. I have all of them. I really liked the first two issues I read, but it was one of those stories where I knew reading it month to month, I was going to get lost on what I was reading. So I, I was like, I'm going to just, once I heard that it was finishing off, cause I thought about reading it in chunks like I did for doomsday clock. And I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll read five, six issues at a time. And then that turned into like, well, maybe I'll read 10 issues. And then I kind of heard the, okay, this is going to actually end with the 20th issue. I was like, I'll just wait till I have all 20 and then I'll read them because then that should be a fun zany ride. So, um, going into trades here. Hey, we're already into trades for DC. That's good. Um, or no, actually not in trades, almost in trades. Uh, 100-page giants are here. We have Batman Giant number 4, Flash Giant number 4, our force, Fighting Forces Giant number 1, Swamp Thing Giant number 4, and Wonder Woman Giant number 4. I do have all of these. Our Fighting Forces Giant is actually a really awesome issue. I like both covers that they did for it. Um, it's very compelling. It's got some really intense stories in there. There's some stories that are just they're wonky, but you expect that with, with it. Um, but the, especially the newer stories are really good. Um, some of the reprints are the ones that I'm just like, eh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the new one, the new stories are really, really good. Now I heard that DC's going to stop doing the giants, which kind of surprises me. I thought that they were selling well at Walmart. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. Um, they never really released numbers to show that, um, but it was also due to the pandemic. So I don't know if they just have them on hold right now because I don't, I, even though I have all these issues so far, cause I've been getting it since the beginning, 
I don't know if the storylines ended. So I don't know if there's stuff hanging out there going, hey, you kind of need to finish this story somehow um, or not. I should probably take a look at these number four issues and see, do they kind of wrap things up and everything is done? Or is there seem to be more out there that they need to do? Um, then they have Crisis on Infinite Earths, Arrowverse, Deluxe Edition hardcover. Uh, I have the giant... Uh, Christ on Infinite Earth Giants number one and two they did uh, which was interesting so these are the new stories in those Giants were um, were Arrowverse stories that took place during Christ on Infinite Earths um, and it was like their Christ on Infinite Earths that they were dealing with which I thought was done very well and I really enjoyed it um, and then they do reprints of the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. The problem is they only did two issues of this. They didn't reprint all of Crisis on Infinite Earths in those two issues. I think you got two or three issues. It's a 12-issue miniseries, or maxi-series, or however you want to say it. They didn't reprint all of it. They only reprinted certain issues. So, like, my buddy Travis, Uncle Teabag, who's been on the show before, um, he was like, oh, I'm going to be reading... He's like, you're going to be excited, Ryan. I'm going to be reading Crisis for the first time. I was like, that's great. Then when I saw the issues, I was like, you're not reading Crisis. You're reading snippets of Crisis. You're reading parts of Crisis. Like, you're reading the beginning of it, and I think probably reading the end of it, but then you're missing everything in between. Again, I can't remember which issues they actually cover in those. I'm sure they cover the the big ones, like issue four. Is it four that has the Flash die? And then issue seven that has Supergirl die? Like those issues are probably in there, but you're missing so much in between. I don't know why they, like you could have done what I would have liked them to do is do crisis, infinite earths, giants, one, two, three, and four. And then each one you could do three issues, reprints of the original crisis story, and then do one or two stories of stuff that happened prior to crisis or in between crisis with characters that we never saw during crisis. So like Hal Jordan, we never, never saw green lantern, Hal Jordan in crisis. He was around <laughs> like, tell, tell us a story about what was happening with him. Tell us a story that was happening with some other characters or on some other earths or whatever. Like, I think that would have been really cool. Um, I don't know how much it would have, it, granted, I don't know how much it would have appealed to a general population, and that's I'm sure that's why they went with the Arrowverse stuff, because that's what was hot and interesting at that time. Um, but that's, just personally, that's what I would have liked. I would have liked to have read some other crisis stories that took place during that time of the original crisis, and then reprint the entire crisis. Like, don't just reprint half of it, which is what they did. Um, then we have Doomsday Clock, uh, part two is solicited here with a slipcase. Um, I loved Doomsday Clock. Yes, it took a long time for it to come out. And yes, the things that they had in place that Doomsday Clock would have helped establish or change the direction of the DC universe, uh, didn't happen because of the delays that were happening. But if you can read Doomsday Clock just as its own story and its own entity and have, you know, knowing that it ties into Watchmen and everything else, if you can just read it for what it is, it is an awesome story. Like, I got to the end of it and I was like, wow, 
like I let it all build up so I could read it all in in like one two sittings and stuff. But I couldn't put it down. I was enjoying the hell out of it. Um, so yeah, it was definitely something I would highly recommend reading. Um, then we have DC Goes to War hardcover. So this is a bunch of Sergeant Rock stories. Um, there's some other stuff, uh, Weird War Tales, GI Combat. Some very interesting collections here. And it's hardcover for 40 bucks. I found that really cool and really interesting. Um, we have Flash by Mark Wade, book seven. So getting into Chain Lightning, uh, that event, which was actually really good. So that was cool. Um, and then let's see, we have some other collected editions here. Uh, we have uh, Justice League Dark, The Witching War, which that's where I left off with Justice League Dark. I do have a lot more issues of Justice League Dark to read, but The Witching War I read, and that was actually really, really good. I would highly recommend that uh, storyline. Uh, and then we have New Teen Titans, Volume 11, trade paperback. So this collects New Teen Titans 16 through 23 and the Omega Men number 34. So they're still chugging along with the Marv Wolfman Teen Titans stuff, which is awesome uh, that they're doing that. We have Stargirl by Jeff Johns, trade paperback. This collects the uh, Stargirl uh, Stars and Stripes uh, series. Uh, it also puts in one of the JSA All-Star uh, issues in there. That was actually a really good series. I think I have the entire series. Um, like I said, really enjoyed it. And I'm actually enjoying the Stargirl uh, TV show. I think I've watched three or four episodes of it so far. Really like it. Really enjoying it. Um, I think they got a perfect actress to play the part. I heard that Jeff Johns said when... Uh, I heard that basically what happened was that when she came in, Jeff Johns saw her and was like, that's Courtney. That's what Courtney looks like. So, um, and thankfully she, she's a decent actress too. So they're doing a good job with that whole bunch of wonder woman stuff. Again, you much like black widow, you'd think a movie was coming out this year. Uh, wonder woman number seven fifty, the deluxe edition hardcover. I do have wonder woman seven fifty, um, the regular edition. And, uh, I, need to read it. I just haven't. It's it's like the 100-page uh, 80th Anniversary Giants issues. Like, I know I'm going to like it, so I'm looking forward to reading it. I just haven't sat down to read it. Um, with the 750 issues, like they did with Flash 750, like it's similar to the 80th Anniversary issues, but it's not quite, because it does set things up for the next issue. Um, like, Flash 750 did the same thing. It was setting it up for the next issue, but then you did read some other stories with other Flash characters and everything else. Same thing's going to happen with this. Is like, I know it's going to set things up for the next One Woman story, which I'm not reading, but then I'm looking forward to reading some of the other stories too. Uh, then you have One Woman Through the Years hardcover, which this was interesting. It's like a bunch of different One Woman issues. Um, they did do a 75 anniversary One Woman book, I think. I'm almost positive they did because they've done it for a lot of characters. Um, and so this is like kind of like what they did with Batman and Superman for Action Comics and Detective Comics. When those reached 1,000, they came out with another book that was just like, here's these characters through the years. I feel like that's what they did with this. Since Wonder Woman was 750, they were like, okay, here's, here's a book for her stuff. So, um, which is great. I think that's awesome because I'm all for reading more 
uh, older stuff when it comes to some of these characters and everything. So that is everything from DC. Uh, now going into the rest of previews, and then we will call it a night. Um, so going into previews here from Image Comics, we have Adventure Man number one. Uh, I loved this issue. Uh, it is Matt Fraction writing. It's Terry Dodson doing the art and cover. Love Terry Dodson's artwork. Um, I know some people don't really care for it. I don't know why, but hey, again, art is subjective. You can like some stuff, not like some stuff. That's fine. Um, I thought this was really well done. You get your money's worth for sure with this. Um, it's 64 pages at the regular price of a comic. There's a lot to read, a lot going on. It goes in directions you didn't, didn't expect it to go in. Um, yeah, it's a really good story. Issue 2 just recently came out. Um, but yeah, I, I would highly recommend reading Adventure Man. Uh, then we they have uh, Firepower by Kirkman and Somni. It's Volume 1 Prelude Original Graphic Novel. So uh, what I heard is this is like Kirkman's take... Kirk and Somni's take on Iron Fist story. Um, there was a free comic book day issue that was uh, coming out that was supposed to uh, lead up for a series. So basically what I heard was you're supposed to read this original graphic novel first and then read that free comic book day issue. And, uh, and then that's supposed to lead into an ongoing series. So, uh, I'm interested in reading this. Uh, I love Sami's artwork. I love Kirkman's writing. So uh, why not? We have uh, Philadelphia number six, uh, and then the trade for the first several issues just recently came out. I love this. I, it was a story I didn't think I was going to really care for because it's just okay. It's vampires, whatever. It's very compelling. It's done really well. Um, the cover was enough, and the title was enough for me to go, okay, I'll give the first issue a try. And then I was like, oh, I really like that. Let me get the second issue. Oh, I really like that. I'm going to keep reading this. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend Philadelphia. Uh, then we have, I found this really interesting from Dark Horse, Alien, the original screenplay, number one of five. So you heard John and I talk about how Aliens and Predator were just taken over by Marvel. So I don't know if this original screenplay screenplay thing is still going to happen, but it's basically they took the original screenplay for what the original movie was supposed to be. Uh, so it's adapted from the original 1976 screenplay by Dan O'Bannon, author of the of Mobius's Long Tomorrow, co-writer of Total Recall, writer-director of The Return of the Living Dead. Um, so they were taking what he originally wrote and adapting into comics. So think of George, what they did, what Dark Horse did with George Lucas's Star Wars, where they took the original screenplay and adapted it for a comic. Like, they basically just put it in comic book form. Um, which was interesting. I thought that was a very interesting thing to do. Like, things that were named differently, acted differently, and it was just, it was really I really liked that they did it. It was confusing at times because you get used to calling something a Star Destroyer and then you see what the Star Destroyer was in the comic. That's not what it originally was going to be. Um, so it, all that got a little confusing at times, but once you got kind of used to like, you basically had to put everything you knew about Star Wars out of your head and then read it. And I feel like that's what you have to do with the, this Alien screenplay is forget everything you knew about Alien, the first Alien movie, 
and then read this. Uh, maybe, and it might be a little bit easier to do that with this because there's been so many other alien stories that it's kind of easier to just say, okay, even if the other one existed, this is a brand new alien story. So, um, this one, if it does come out, uh, and gets completed, I will definitely get this in trade because I'm very interested in reading this. Sleeping Beauties number one from IDW. I read an Ashcan edition of this, uh, so I read the its first several pages of it like that. I don't mean to be cruel because I'm sure people could be cruel about what I'm trying to create, but this thing was hot garbage. Like I didn't like any of it at all. The artwork was. hideous it was it was so basic like the cover of this makes it look very interesting which is why i was like oh yeah i'll check out the free ash can edition and stuff and you know that this seems like something i'd want to read um it's based on the horror novel by stephen king and owen king and i'm like yeah that sounds like something i'd want to read there the artwork is atrocious uh the story has so many characters things going on with characters and so many subplots going on that it makes your head spin um you don't grow to care about any of them the it's it's just so it was so bad it was so poorly done i don't want to spend any more time on it because like i said i don't want to completely bash something because Number one, maybe other people like it, but also because if I don't, it's not fair to the creators. They're trying to create something that they are proud of, but man, I did, did not like it. Speaking of things that I didn't really care for, unfortunately, uh, IDW Star Wars Adventures Clone Wars number one of five. This is a mini series. This is done very similar to Vader's Castle, where there's going to be five issues, and it's going to be taking place during Clone Wars, and it's going to be the clone troopers in battle telling stories, like there's an overarching story that they're dealing with, but then in there they're going to tell stories of other things that happen to them. That's fine. That's the formula that they follow. I loved Vader's Castle. I loved the return to Vader's Castle. I think they were done done well they're fun to read and everything else but for a number one launching something new like this i just thought it was okay it was kind of mediocre like i liked the art was fine like it's got that cartoony look to it that i expect from these adventure comics so i'm okay with that um but the story was just it was just eh. it was forgettable it was just like you're telling a miniseries that's supposed to have some type of impact. Now, Vader's Castle, those that had an impact on me. Like I felt like, okay, you're telling some good stories here. Like even the sequel, which was a quote unquote money grab, uh, because the first one did so well, was still good. It still was told very well. Um, this one, I just I would like. I'm like, I hope the rest of them get better because I really like Clone Wars and I really like the Clone Troopers. And I know this formula that they're following, so it's not that I don't like the formula. It's just I just didn't care for what they were doing there. 
Uh, then we have Transformers 84, Secrets and Lies, number one of four. So this is uh, Simon Furman writing and Guido Guidi drawing, which Guido Guidi is perfect for drawing 1980s Transformers. So this is return uh, to... They both return to tell a new tale in the original Transformers comic universe, off the heels of the successful Transformers 84 number zero one shot that came out a while back, if you remember. Um, as the Cybertronian Civil War rages, Decepticon scientist Shockwave has encountered a new obstacle to the Decepticon's victory, the subjugation of the planet, an obstacle called Megatron. So, very compelling, very interesting I am looking forward to this. Um, if you like the original Transformers run of Marvel, this ties into that stuff. Uh, Transformers number 20 looks like it's going to have a little bit of focus on Hound a bit, which has me excited. Um, I'm trying to get through this. The, uh, trans the main Transformers title is mediocre when it when it's at its best. I'm hoping it gets better as I go along, but I have not been impressed. Now, Transformers Galaxies number uh, eight is uh, solicited here. That I actually really liked. I actually love. Like the first miniseries was uh, first four issues of it was incredible about the Constructicons, and you actually learned a, quite a bit about the Insecticons also, which was fantastic. And then the next two issues were also really good. They had um, Cliffjumper. It was a two-issue story arc on Cliffjumper. That was phenomenal. Um, I like the fact that they were focusing on particular characters. I felt like it helped them to tell very compelling stories. Um, I want to get back to reading the main Transformers series, but I've heard from other people like, yeah, it didn't get, hasn't been getting much better. But the Galaxy stories so far, I've read one through six, and eagerly have read those and they have been fantastic uh transformers versus terminator number two of four i read the first issue of this uh and thought it was really great i really enjoyed it they there's a lot of nods for fans that love transformers and a lot of nods for fans that love terminator if you love both you're gonna get even more out of it sarah connor does appear in the story in a different way than in the past um yeah i i liked it uh it's its own continuity type thing. They're much like regular Terminator. There were things that I wanted to see that they didn't do. So they went back to the past, which I wanted. All I wanted is I wanted to see Transformers versus the Terminators in that future world. Like, I think that would have been really awesome. You get a little bit of that. Not a lot. Um, I would have loved to have seen a lot more of that, but of course they got to travel back to the past to 1980s and show what happened there. So, uh, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Jenica number three of three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, urban legends number 24, which that's getting close to the end of, uh, that. So this is actually number 24 is actually the first new issue in 21 years of this series. I really am eager to finish reading this whole thing, like just read it all in one chunk. It is the most, as John Thurman would say, it's the most bananas series ever. I think it's just, it's crazy. Uh, then we have TM, TMNT, the IDW collection. Uh, volume 11 has Casey Jones on the cover. Uh, love these hardcover collections. They're amazing. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, number 105. I do need to, finish up and get caught up on my turtles reading. 
I apologize for that. Uh, and I apologize to myself for that because it's such a great series. Uh, then we have G.I. Joe, Real American Hero number 275. Really looking forward to seeing how Snake Hunt ends. I do have the latest two issues uh, that I need to read of uh, Real American Hero. I've really been enjoying that. Um, then we have G.I. Joe World on Fire, Volume 1. It's the new IDW series by Paul Aller. Um, that's been hit or miss for me. Some issues I think were great. Uh, some issues I think are okay. No issue that I read I thought was bad. Uh, I know when I gave the one review of issue one, it made it sound like I didn't like it. I thought it was it was a good issue. I just thought, in my opinion, I thought some mistakes were made, but they also could have been story elements I just wasn't aware of, uh, things that would be happening later. But um, but yeah, like it, there was a, at least one or two issues where I was like, oh wow, that was actually a really good issue. And then there was a couple issues where I was just like, that was oh, that was an okay issue. Um, so uh, then we have GI Joe number eight uh, of that same series. Uh, it's got a Freddie Williams uh, second uh, cover for cover B. Um, I like Freddie Williams second art. Uh, I think he's a good, a very good artist. I like him more on stuff like turtles than I do on this GI Joe. Like I don't really, they show his cover art here and that's just, I don't know. It has this Howard Chaikin puffy face look to it. And which is, you guys know, is not really my thing. So like, I love old Howard Chaikin artwork, not a big fan of current day Howard Chaikin artwork. And this kind of looks like just cause again, he does this like weird puffy face look to his, his drawings now. And I'm not a fan of that. Um, and that's what this kind of looked like too. Uh, then we have Cobra Kai, the karate kid saga continues Johnny's story. Uh, this is trade paperback that collects issues, uh, one through four of that. Um, and then let's see, we got some ghostbusters going on ghostbusters year one, number four of four. And then we have ghostbusters year one, the trade paperback, which collects that whole, uh, mini series. So very cool there. Star Wars Adventures Volume 9, Fight the Empire. So this collects issues 21 through 23 of the Adventure series. Um, so that I've I've liked those. I gotta again gotta get caught up on those, but um but yeah, definitely want to uh continue reading those and I want to see that series continue as well. Uh then getting into Dynamite here, we have the boys, dear Becky. Uh the boys has been uh I watched half of season one so far. I have really been liking it. It's really, really good. I'm looking forward to season two starting. Um, but because of that, of course they want to start bringing out, uh, some more, the boys comics as much as they can. Uh, then we have Nancy drew and the Hardy boys, the death of Nancy drew. That just sounded like an interesting title. Uh, not something I'd be looking to pick up, but, uh, it has a very much a, um, more serious, like rivet Riverdale type feel to it. From what I can see here, uh, I highly doubt that Nancy drew actually dies, but maybe she does. Uh, but it seems like the Hardy boys have to like find out what's really going on. Uh, then let's see here we have uh, mighty Morphin power Rangers number 50. Uh, so just, that's a hell of a landmark issue there, uh, that boom studios has been able to, 
to do. And I've heard the comics really good. I've gotten the, I got the first few issues of it and I, I actually really enjoyed it considering that I'm not a power Rangers fan at all. Um, just was never something that appealed to me. The show just, I tried watching it again. Like somebody was like, no, just try watching it again. It, it grows on you and stuff like that. I love the Zord stuff. I love the, the fight scenes and stuff like that. Like that's all that Japanese, um, fighting style show stuff that I do enjoy. It was all the campy, cheesy live action, like in the school stuff that I just could not stomach. Like I just couldn't like, I knew I probably wouldn't like it. And it's not that I went into it going, Oh, I'm not going to like this, but I have mentioned this many times on the show. I don't really care for campy live action stuff campy cartoon stuff. Sure. I love that stuff. Like Batman brave and the bold is campy cartoon stuff. I think it's a very good cartoon. I don't like Batman 66. It's campy and cheesy live action. I don't like it. That's why I don't like power Rangers. It's campy and cheesy live action stuff. It's the, all the school stuff. I'm just like, Nope, not, not into this. Like it's, comical and over the top and then you get into okay now we're now we're going to be serious and fight stuff like i just it, i like all of that stuff i liked all the power rangers fight scenes and the zord stuff like that was cool but but then like i said then i read the comics and i thought the comics are actually were, were actually pretty good um it looks like they're bringing another uh different muddy morphin it looks like they're uh, bringing in the the Omega Rangers into this one. So like I said, more power to, uh, to them for continuing that. I think that's really, really cool. Um, then this was kind of interesting. Original graphic novel, hardcover space bear. Uh, it looks like a, it almost looks like a teddy bear dressed as Buzz Lightyear. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like and has a feel like, but it looked, the artwork looks cute and it looks interesting. Um, it looks more detailed than you'd expect for something like this. Like the, he crash lands on a a planet and there's like this mountain with a bear and some symbols on it and every, like it looks cool. Like I actually really liked how this one looked. Uh, then we have mighty more from power Rangers, teenage mutant Ninja turtles, number five of five. So, uh, I have read only the first issue of this, but, uh, this crossover of characters, but I really did like the first issue. Um, and I do want to read the rest of it. So looking forward to that. Then we've got some other stuff here. We've got Jim Henson's down at Fraggle rock soft cover, um, which has some Jay Fosgett stuff and some Katie cook stuff in it, which that's always good. Um, and then we have Jim Henson's the storyteller. Oh, by the way, uh, there is going to be a new, I just saw this earlier today. I knew that another one was coming out, but I didn't know who was working on it. Uh, I did post this on the star Joe's fan page. Uh, there's going to be another, uh, from a certain point of view book. So book, book novel. Um, it's a collected edition of short stories. They did one for a new hope. And now they're doing one for Empire Strikes Back. And it's basically a bunch of writers that tell stories for, uh, about side characters in that were shown in Empire Strikes Back. So you'll probably get, there'll probably be some Ugnaught stories. There'll probably be some IG-8 stories, um, 
uh, Zuckus stories, stuff like all these characters that we didn't really get much more about them. Like they're going to have some stories told. Maybe there'll be a uh, Wilro Hood story. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but the reason I mention it right now is because Katie Cook actually posted on her Facebook page that she was actually asked to write a story. And Katie's actually a very good writer too. She's an amazing artist. I love her artwork. Um, she was like on my dream team of people that I wanted to draw Stealth Hammer. Um, I did reach out to her through her web page website and everything else just to ask her if she'd be interested knowing that full well she has a full plate and probably couldn't but I asked her anyways I didn't hear anything back um I'm sure she gets asked all the time but uh I'm hoping one day that Stealth Hammer is successful enough that her and I can have a conversation and maybe she could do a short story or something like that uh I think it would be very very cool to work with her um, she's a lot of fun. She's super nice. I actually plan on having her on the show. We talked at a convention, the last Baltimore Comic Con convention. She's like, I would love to come on and talk Muppets with you. That would be fantastic. So, uh, so hopefully I'll make that happen. But, uh, but yeah, she is writing a Star Wars story, which is going to be very, very cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, if I get her on the show, maybe she'll be able to tell us which character she's actually writing about. I don't know if she's allowed to or not, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, then we have Jim Henson's The Storyteller Ghost Number 2. I'm not getting the Storyteller ones just because they're not what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be kind of in the format of the original Storytellers show that was on HBO, where it's like you get the old guy and his dog, and he's telling the dog the story. Um, you don't get that. You just basically get a new story So with Jim Henson's name slapped on it. So I will say the cover of this looks really creepy, which is a floating head with a spine and a heart below. And then there's some magical energies floating around that part of it. So around the heart and everything. So creepy. Um, we have Jim Henson's the dark crystal age of resistance, number eight of 12. So that's getting to the back half of that storyline. Um, and then let's see, we have the art of star Wars, the rise of Sky Skywalker hardcover, love the art of type books. That's always really, really cool, uh, and I love, uh, so I'm a big fan of that stuff. If you love concept art and everything else, that's the type of stuff you want to pick up. Uh, from Aftershock Comics, I haven't been getting anything from Aftershock, uh, even though I really have loved the stuff that they, they've done. Um, this one sounded really interesting. It's called Dead Day Number 1. It said, if the dead could come back for just one night, would we want them to? Meet the Haskins, a seemingly normal suburban family, as they prepare for the annual macabre holiday known as Dead Day. When the deceased rise from the graves from sunset to sunrise, some come back to reunite with family and friends, others for one last night of debauchery, still others with only one thing in their, de uh, in their decomposing mind, revenge. So, it's a zombie tale, uh, but it sounds like a very interesting zombie tale, so... Um, yeah, I, I thought that sounded actually really cool. Uh, then we have Sabrina the, from Archie comics, Sabrina, the teenage, Witch, uh, something wicked number one of four. Uh, I just, I like the Sabrina series on Netflix and, uh, I liked the cover art that I saw on this one. It just, it was kind of compelling just as far as like how she looked and everything else. I thought it was a cool, cool look for her. Um, then from 
Awa Studios. We have Year Zero, which is also a zombie story. Um, so with this, it's uh, Ben Percy and Ramon Rosanas team up to present an epic tale that offers a global look at the zombie apocalypse, a Japanese hitman, a Mexican street urchin, an Af- Afghan military aide, a polar uh, research scientist, a Midwestern American survivalist, five survivors of a horrific global epidemic who must draw upon their unique skills and deepest instincts to navigate a world of the shambling dead. Year Zero wrestles with the weighty uh, moral and theological questions posed by by the pandemic and investigates its cause and possible cure. Just with us dealing with the pandemic, I thought it was interesting. So, <laughs> um, I like the fact that we're getting different viewpoints from different characters and everything else. I don't know if these characters all come together or if it's just really, here's a snippet of this character, here's a snippet of this character. I just thought it was, sound like a, a, com- a compelling story. If you like, especially if you like zombie stuff. Um, and let's see, we also have a, uh, let's see, past that one. Uh, we have, uh, Star Wars, I am, uh, I am Padawan, Little Golden Book. So if you like Little Golden Books or you have someone in your house that should, you know, is a good age for Little Golden Books, a lot of them are still com- uh, coming out. There's a Superman one here. There's a Batman one here. There's a Scooby-Doo one. Um, I always loved Golden Books when I was a kid, uh, when I was real little. So that's uh, something I would highly recommend getting if you have a real little one. Uh, then we have Back to the Future, a celebration uh, greatest of just as back to the future celebration, greatest of the franchise that define time travel genres. Um, so interesting title. Uh, it's basically back to the future. It's information about the movie and, and the story behind it and all that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, I love back to the future. So seemed like a cool thing. Uh, then let's see. Oh, and then I wanted to mention the only living girl volume one, the Island at the edge of infinity. So you guys have heard me mention the only living boy in the past, uh, that I believe went for five volumes, uh, only living girl. Uh, I do have the first volume, which is what's listed here as well. Um, you can get in soft cover, hard cover, uh, for the difference in price. It was no brainer for me on the hard cover. Uh, they just, it, you know, I've mentioned many times my love of hardcovers. They just last longer. They, you know, they're more durable. They, they look nice on a shelf. It's very easy to shelf them and everything. Uh, easy to access them because they're on a shelf. So this has a soft cover for $8.99 and hardcover for $13.99. So for $5 difference, you can get a hardcover. Um, I really like the story. It's written by David Gallagher and the art is by Steve Ellis. Um, if I've mentioned it before, if you like stuff like labyrinth, if you like stuff like dark crystal, um, you like any story where a person finds themselves in another land in another world. And that world's got some bizarre creatures and, and strife going on and they're trying to find their way home and all that type of stuff. That's what this comic comic is. And I, I will always recommend it as something to check out. Uh, I've met David Gallagher at, um, many conventions and him, and he actually listens to star Joe's. I don't know if he listens every episode or not. Uh, if you do David, Hey, how's it going? Uh, but he appreciates that. I mentioned this 
uh, comic, his comic on the show. Um, and I only do so because I actually do really enjoy it. Uh, you guys know for a fact that I don't plug something because someone just asks me to, I don't plug something like he actually didn't know that I was plugging this, like that I was mentioning that this, his only living boy comic. He only knew that because I think I posted a review of it or something like that on Twitter. And he saw that and retweeted it and then reached out uh, to me. And we talked a little bit through there and he, he just was you know saying he appreciated that I liked it and everything else. And that I had mentioned it. And then he checked out the podcast because he's into all the stuff that we cover on the show, uh, which drew some inspirations for him for, uh, for the story and all the 80s stuff that he grew up with. Um, and then we got to talk at conventions and stuff like that. And like I said, I'm pretty sure he still listens to the show. Um, if he doesn't, that's fine. doesn't matter. Uh, I still will always say that his, his story that he created there is very compelling and I really enjoy it. So, um, then let's see, we've got Jedi Academy, uh, uh, book nine at last Jedi, uh, hardcover. So, uh, I only have a few of these Jedi Academy books. They're very well done. They're definitely geared towards a younger audience, but I think they're a lot of fun. So again, much like I was saying with the golden books, if you have someone that's maybe four years old, five years old, these Jedi Academies are probably right up their alley and perfect for them. Uh, Archie, an original horror novel book, a werewolf in Riverdale. That's an interesting thing. I know they've done uh, werewolf stuff with Jughead uh, called The Hunger. Um, I don't know if this is similar to that or if it's tied into it at all. Um, it's from Scholastic Incorporated, so it's not from Archie Comics, but still was interesting to that you know that stuff is still continuing. Um, then we have Robotech Remix number six. I don't know if this is still coming out or not. I think it is. It might just be delayed like a lot of other things are, but remix uh is still on the radar when this previews came out so i wanted to mention that uh then we had star wars this is from titan comics we have star wars the empire strikes back anniversary special so they've done it for a new hope they've done it for other things um some of the newer movies and everything else so this uh this has a newsstand cover an exclusive cover if you order directly for the previews and then they have a hardcover edition again i like the hardcover editions that they've done for these so um and then from viz media this is the last comic thing they have transformers the manga uh and this is a diamond exclusive variant cover so I do have the hardcover edition of this. I have not started reading it. Someone told me it is very good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're a Transformers fan and you're a manga fan, uh, it's well worth picking up uh, from everything I've heard. So uh, I do want to touch a little bit on some toys and some collectibles. Uh, they are doing Gentle Giants doing some uh, a Mandalorian mini bust. Uh, it's $120, uh, which is a lot, but I thought it was cool that they're doing that. Uh, they also have a, uh, Stay Puff Legends in 3D movie Ghostbusters, Mr. Stay Puff half scale bust. That's $175. Not getting it, but it looks really cool. Um, it's basically Stay Puff, uh, head bust. So you get his head with like his, um, 
I don't even know what you call it, the thing that he wears around his neck, like that part of him. And then he's got the little tie going there and he's got his hat on and everything else. But the stand that he sits on is the top of the the tower building. So the rooftop scene thing. So I thought that was really cool that that's what they made his base on that he that he sits on top of. So um, then we have some uh, interesting pieces here. So we have a Marvel Comics Gallery Star-Lord PVC uh, diorama. Uh, they have it listed here for $49.99. I remember getting this at GameStop for like 10 bucks because GameStop couldn't sell it. Um, I like it. It looks cool, which is why I got it. But uh, I consider myself very fortunate that I was able to get that for, for $10. Um, and they have it resolicited here for $50. Uh, then there's a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff when it comes to the child. Uh, you have the Black Series figure, which you heard me mention to John before. You have the 11-inch plush uh, that people are finding in stores now. I believe that's the same one. Um, they have the Mandalorian, the, the child talking plush, which it doesn't really talk on this show, so I'm not really sure what they have it saying in this toy. Uh, then you have, which I really like this, uh, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, The Bounties Collection, The Child Figure. They're, they're all two packs. Um, so you can get stuff like him sipping on the cup. You can get him reaching out with the force. You can get the one with him holding the the uh, the knob. You can get him sitting there looking all sad. You can get him bundled up in a like a little blanket. You can get one of him eating the frog. So... Uh, those are all out there. And then uh, I thought this was really a cool piece, super expensive, but really cool. It was Dark Crystal Mother Agra. It's six scale polystone statue. It's 250 bucks, but I thought it was very, very cool uh, looking. And then they have Masters of the Universe 50 uh, inch jointed paper people characters. I don't even know what the hell that is, <laughs> but it's it's out there um if you know what it is let me know uh and then let's see not much more here uh we do have uh rambo 3 john rambo six scale figure super detailed and it should be super detailed because almost two hundred dollars um and then there is uh let's see Last but not least uh, was some pint glasses that I saw. They had uh, Super 7 had G.I. Joe pint glasses uh, for, and then also Transformers pint glasses. The G.I. Joe pint glasses had basically the package art for the carded figures, and so did the Transformers ones uh, for the ones, you know, when they were in the box. So you'd have, uh, from G.I. Joe, you have Cobra Commander, Snake Eyes, Baroness, and Storm Shadow. All four awesome. Uh, for the Transformers one, you have Soundwave, Optimus Prime, Grimlock, and Megatron. Again, all awesome. It's all based off the packaging art from the 80s uh, toys. So they look amazing. I did look at Super 7's website, and I believe they still... And it was a while ago. It was probably a couple of months ago uh, when this previous catalog came out. And you could at that time, you could still order these pint glasses through them. But you can also get them through the previews, at least back then you could. I don't know if they still would have been available or not, but I'm sure you can find them now. But the pint glasses looked really, really awesome. So 
with that, uh, it is now a quarter to two in the morning. So gave you a nice long episode where we talked about a lot of things. Some things I'm sure you were happy to hear about. Some things maybe you weren't happy to hear about, but they were all from my viewpoint and where things are. Uh, my wife and I are both staying safe. Uh, we're both staying healthy. Uh, it is Saturday. Uh, well now it's Sunday. <laughs> um, but yeah, things are good. Uh, look forward to another Star Joe's episode coming out in the near future. Uh, and then there'll also be one that comes out about the Kickstarter. I have that one I mentioned where it's behind the scenes from the Joe, Joe Alves episode that I did with pop culture leftovers. I think you guys will enjoy just some of the stuff that we talk about. Uh, so I'm going to put that out for you guys. This episode is going to be out for you. Um, and then you'll get the Kickstarter episode that'll come out. So a lot of Star Joe's goodness coming out for you guys. And uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. All right, guys. Um, so it is Friday night right before Labor Day. Hopefully I'll be getting this episode out to you guys this weekend. Um, you just heard me do a whole episode on the last previews catalog that I had. Uh, which was a while ago. It was actually, God, had to be early August that I recorded that. Um, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, first off, I wanted to apologize for having uh, gone off on, like, I don't want to say political talk because I wasn't talking politics. I was just talking about things, I guess, current events and everything else. I don't apologize for what I was saying. I stand behind everything that I said, but you guys aren't here to hear me talk about um, that type of stuff. Like, you get enough of that in the real world and everything else. So, um, so I, I guess maybe partly that's why it took me so long to even put that out. It's just because I was like, do I even put that out there? Because, um, like I said, it just me personally, I was like, well, it, it is how I feel. Um, you know, I still stand behind the things that I said, but like I said, you guys listen for entertainment, but like I mentioned that too, you guys also listen for, um, just getting to know stuff from me personally not necessarily that you give two shits about me. I, and that's fine. I don't expect you to, but, um, but I mean the aspect of like, you're listening to the show because you like hearing the stuff we talk about you probably like to get to know us a little bit better and really these patreon episodes is where you do really get to know me a lot better i don't hold back as much i don't i let myself cut loose a lot more um than i do on the show because i'm on the show it's like i'm i don't know maybe ringleader or something like that where it's just like i'm just trying to keep it stuff going keep topics going and keep us entertaining everything else where stuff like this is a lot more personal uh and personable as well um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking directly to you guys. It's just me. And so I can kind of just like let everything out. Um, so, but like I said, I, I do apologize for putting all of my views out there. Um, when it comes to that, uh, current day conflicts that are going on. Like I said, I don't apologize for what I said. I still absolutely stand a hundred percent behind everything I said. And if you don't like that, that's fine. Uh, I'm not asking you to like it. Uh, if you have different opinions and everything else, it's just, this is, that's where I stand. And if you don't like it tough. Uh, it's not, you're not going to change my viewpoints. I will say that I am someone, however, 
uh, that I'm not closed off to hearing other people's viewpoints. So while I might not change how I feel about the topics that I talked about last time, uh, because I do feel like they, where I stand now has the interest in mind for uh, others. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people and what's good for other people. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not willing to listen to other people's opinions. And, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to mention in this real briefly um, is I've had recently on the Star Joe's fan page some people, now that it's a lot bigger, it's about it's over 7,500 people, which is still small potatoes compared to a lot of other groups that are out there. Um, I'm very grateful for how many people we have. I'm grateful for any of you listening to this. Um, but, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, there's, there's groups out there with like millions of people uh, or hundreds of thousands attached and stuff like that. Um, but because we're growing bigger on that fan page and just trying to put fun stuff out there and have a good time, things happen and people start getting into arguments and debates and I basically had to step in and stop something from happening and then stop an argument from happening and then the next day when something else was posted somebody else, uh, the same person actually went and started some shit again with somebody, gave the person a chance to kind of say hey, let we don't do that here, let's cool it You know, you've been talked to about this once before and he just decided to push back and he tried to be smart Alec and everything else of like, oh, well, you say like challenging me on it. It's like, you know, I don't have time for that bullshit. You know, you want to troll someplace else. You want to push the buttons of somebody else and everything else and, and challenge what they're saying and twist the words that they're saying and everything else. Go fucking do it someplace else. You're not doing it with me. You're not, I'm, I'm too old and I'm too tired. I mean, you do an 80s podcast for crying out loud I was grew up in the 80s um i'm i'm not old by any stretch of the imagination but i'm too old to be uh, to to quote lethal weapon i'm too old for this shit so um and maybe it's maybe it's just more wise to put up than to put up with that crap um if you're out there and you're listening to this and you have a different opinion than me or one of the other hosts or just other people in the group page or on the fan page, you know, you don't like the new Star Wars movies. You think they're a hot piece of garbage. That's fine. You are welcome to comment that all day long, whatever. Um, I don't have to agree with you and I don't have to listen to you uh, because I don't agree to that. I know Chuck doesn't like most of the new Star Wars stuff. He doesn't like the, uh, he liked Force Awakens. He liked, I think he liked Solo. Uh, and he liked Rogue One, but he didn't care for The Last Jedi, and he didn't care for Rise of Skywalker. Um, but he likes to hyperbolize that and make it seem like he thinks it's all trash. Um, he kind of just feeds into that. But that's that's how Chuck is. You guys know that if you listen to the show for a while. Like He likes to play things up like that. So, um, And that's fine. Uh, him and I don't have to agree on that. And like I said, you don't have to agree with other people when they see stuff like that. But the best thing you can do is either... Put your own comment down on the topic or move on. You don't like we've talked. I've talked about it on this many times before. It's called changing the channel is how I refer to it. It's, uh, it was, that's what we did in the eighties is if you didn't like something, you changed the channel. You didn't uh, go on a tirade. You didn't go on a, a holy quest to tell everyone how they're wrong. Um, so yeah, you can post a comment and say like, 
hey, I really like the new Star Wars movies. Hey, I think they're all a hot piece of garbage and I don't like anything Disney does. That's fine. Um, you can make those comments. But don't make the comments in response to somebody else and start shit with other people. Like, don't do a reply to somebody else's that says, hey, I love the new Star Wars movies and you're, going, and like, you're full of shit. It's, they're all garbage. Or just, they're all garbage. Um, that's what you're doing is you are inciting an argument. And I know that's the, the, that's the thing that people like doing today because they're all fucking keyboard warriors. Um, that they just want to, like, start shit because they don't have to face the person face-to-face. Um, but I can tell you right now, like, the stuff I say to you guys here, I know I'm behind a microphone and stuff like that. But the stuff I say to you guys here, I would say this to somebody's face. Like, it's just, I grew up in the environment where you said, you said stuff to somebody's face. So I'm not going to say anything different here. I'm not going to say anything different online that I wouldn't be willing to say to somebody's face. Um, and if you're someone that's going to say nasty ass shit like that into somebody's face, there's something seriously wrong with you. Uh, there just, there just is. Um, so, um, so I implore most, pretty much everyone here that listens to this um, uh, doesn't have this issue. It's probably because you hear me talk about it and you have a like-mindedness, which is why you keep listening. You certainly don't have to agree with me. In fact, I know a lot of you guys don't agree with me on a lot of different viewpoints on things, whether it's just entertainment stuff or life stuff or whatever like that. It's fine. But you still listen because you respect the things that... I have to say and how I approach it. And I think that's more so what it is. It's just how I approach things. I respect the things you guys have to say and how you approach it as well. So, um, so I do appreciate the community. Uh, I like I said most of that 7,500 that's on the fan page. Don't listen to this podcast. Uh, they should, I, I wish they did. Um, and I hope maybe if you're listening to this for the first time, uh, you're a first time listener that, you know, uh, you, are hearing that you've gotten this far into the episode and have listened to me saying this, like, uh, number one, welcome, <laughs> but number two, yeah, just be respectful of each other. And that's what it's really about. Like we're talking about silly, stupid stuff like comic books and video games and, um, eighties properties and movies and, uh, toys and everything else. And like, and and you can take those that collecting and everything else very seriously. That's fine. I do too. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't take it seriously. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that in the grand scheme of things, they're silly things. You know, our families come first, loved ones, friends, all that type of stuff. Uh, your health, like all those types of things, come first. Those are the more serious things that are going on. So, um, you know, I, I would give up everything that I have uh, if it meant that you know. Uh, my wife could live forever with me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just, like I said, just be aware that when I'm posting, uh, when I step in on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that to say, Hey, let's cool it. It's because it seems like things have gotten out of hand. And if things have not gotten out of hand, let me know. I'm human too. Like be like, Hey, no, we're cool. We're fine. Everything's fine here. We're all fine now. How are you? Uh, to quote Star Wars there. Um, like I can give you an example is like, um, and I hope he doesn't, I hope he listens to this, the show, but I hope he doesn't mind me calling him out too. 
uh, Mark Howd. Uh, him and I had a bit of a rocky start at the beginning because he felt a certain way, and then um, and it felt like he was being a bit abrasive and stuff like that. And then the more I talked with him, the more I realized it's just he he wasn't meaning to come across that way, and I was obviously coming across wrongly too. So, Mark, I'm not saying it was all you; it was me too. Um, we just kind of rubbed each other the wrong way initially. That's all it was, and that happens. Um, but I would say Mark's a very cool guy. Like he's become a very cool part of the community out there um, on the Facebook groups and everything else. So, uh, so I'm glad I've gotten to know him. Him and I have very different opinions when it comes to um, the new Star Wars stuff and everything else. But like I said, that's totally fine. We don't have to agree on that type of stuff. Um, he has very strong opinions one way, and I have strong opinions the other way. But I feel like him and I have found common ground, and and things are good now. And like I said, we didn't start off that way. And that might happen with people in the group um, where it's just like maybe I read something wrong, and that's going to happen. And, you know, again, I'm human. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there that, um, you know, if, if you see stuff like that going on, it's because I want to keep things positive. I want to keep things uh, respectful. Um, it's, it's meant to be a fun group. It's meant to be a fun podcast. It's meant to be fun everything. Um, also, you guys probably saw that I started doing YouTube videos again. Uh, I know I haven't put anything, probably as of this recording, I haven't put anything out recently. Uh, that's because I did like seven or eight episodes back to back, like uh, almost every day. I think there was one day I missed, but, uh, and it was during the end of the campaign for the Kickstarter. And, uh, and it was intentional to, you know, to hopefully get some people that are from the YouTube community that watch the YouTube videos to hopefully back the, uh, the Kickstarter reaching a different audience basically. And I should have done it earlier. Um, but, it doesn't mean I have, I'm stopping that. I actually want to get back to doing the YouTube videos, and I found a way that I can kind of do them, kind of like this, where it's it's off the cuff. Um, I do write down a couple things, uh, such as the, who the writer and the artist is and stuff like that, and I do think ahead of time about the points that I want to talk about. But it's pretty free form. It's I don't, and I'm not doing any editing anymore when it comes to it, other than. I insert images and videos and stuff like that where I feel like it's appropriate, but I don't, uh, I used to do like multiple takes, uh, like a five, six minute video would take me 20 to 30 minutes to record because I didn't like how I said something or whatever. Maybe I forgot to say something else and I would record that and I would insert it in there. And that was taking a very long period of time. Now it takes a long time to render a video anyways. Um, so, but as far as editing it, and putting images and everything else. I can record an episode in like 10 minutes or under. I can edit that episode in like half an hour, maybe. Um, if I can find all the images I'm looking for and things I want to do. Um, and as you guys know, uh, I'm probably down my, I'm down in my kitchen right now recording this. So my dog keeps wanting to go in and out of the house. Uh, so... <laughs> Sorry about that. So, but, so you'll hear some ambient noises in, in the background and stuff like that. Um, I don't even know if that's the right phrasing, but we're going with it. So, um, so yeah, and then the rendering takes a long time. So even though it might be a five to seven minute video, it, um, it, it can take about an hour for it to render. I don't have to sit there and do that, which is the nice part. I get my editing done in, you know, half hour or more, and then I can just let the 
computer do its thing. Uh, and then I have to upload it, and that takes a little bit of time. But YouTube's also made it a lot easier to upload, so I don't have to do a whole lot like I did before. Like before, I felt like I was editing, and then I was editing again when I uploaded it to uh, YouTube because you had to insert different things at the end and to to get you to other videos and everything else. They've made that process a lot easier. So, um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, so yeah, you should be seeing some more YouTube videos. Uh, it's in it's motivating me to do a couple things, which I think you guys will appreciate. One, it's getting me up to date on my Star Joe's related comics. So I'm getting caught up on Turtles. Uh, I'm reading Dr. Afra. I'm way behind on, on that title, but I'm getting caught up on that. I'm getting caught up on my Ghostbusters comics, um, Transformers. I'm trying to get caught up on that. Um, so pretty much everything I'm getting caught up on, and that's been a very good thing uh, as far as Star Joe's stuff. And then the other thing it's making me do is it's making me finally, uh, it's motivating me to, to even more uh, reorganize my collection. So you guys know that I've been working on that and uh, making displays and everything else. But I can actually have a better display uh, for my background. Like if I, if I get my display going and looking nice, I can have that as a nice background to my, um, the YouTube videos and everything else. So you guys can see more of my collection and everything else. I think you guys would, uh, enjoy seeing that type of stuff. So, so it's motivating me on a couple fronts, which is awesome. So YouTube has been a very positive thing for me. I know I'm going to, as I start getting an audience, I'm going to get the negative people on there. I can only control so much when it comes to YouTube. People are going to make negative comments. That's fine. I'm just going to kind of let that one go as it is um, and try not to manage that as much, but like I do with the Facebook uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, check it out. If you have not been to Star Joe's on YouTube, go check it out. Uh, I know, like I said, I know there wasn't anything out there for you guys to see for quite a while, but there is new stuff out there. Like I said, there's at least seven or eight new videos that are just done in the last month. Um, and then I will be having more than we'll be working on uh, this weekend, actually, with it being Labor Day weekend. I know I'm going to probably record two or three more uh, episodes, and that should be awesome. Um, and it's, and it's mostly older stuff. Uh, I did tap into some more recent comics and everything else for YouTube. Uh, but I also like, as I'm getting caught up on things, I'm, t uh, doing reviews of certain issues, uh, that are like the start of a story arc or the start of a series or a mini series or something like that. So, um, so that's what's going on with YouTube. So definitely go check that out. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it's been fun to do. So uh, I do have another set of previews catalogs here. These are older ones still. These are the ones that came out in March for stuff coming out in May. But as we know, the pandemic delayed everything and postponed everything. So some of these titles are not coming out. <laughs> We're, they're like just coming out now or just came out recently. Um, I don't even remember what I marked in these books. So it's going to be very interesting on that front. And then uh, just to let you know what's happening is, uh, as many of you know that follow comics, DC uh, branched off and is doing their own, has their own distribution. Now they don't go through Diamond anymore. So that's proved to be interesting. But because they don't go through Diamond, they don't have a catalog anymore. So I actually have here, I believe it's the last catalog that DC Comics did. I have to look to see if the next previews had one also, but I don't think it did. Um, and then what they did is they actually have an online catalog now. 
And I think you can still access like past catalogs to read uh, through their previews and everything else. And their online previews look just like the previews catalog that was for Diamond. It's probably because they put it together anyways to send it off to Diamond. Um, So what I'm going to try to do is that when I do these episodes in the future is I'm going to have my computer up and and I'll tackle DC uh, as far as their previews and everything else before I tackle the Diamond ones. So... um, or maybe afterwards, but basically I'll still have DC comics previews to go through. I, I thought it was going to be just like a sheet that they gave because that's what my comic shop had. It was just like, Oh, here's the titles coming out. And I was like, well, that sucks. Cause I don't really know what they're about. I can't see covers and things like that. Um, creative teams and all that, but they're online. It's called DC connect. Um, and it actually looks just like a previous catalog. It's just digital. Uh, which I'm sure saves them money. Uh, but And I'm fine with looking at a digital previews. Um, sure, I love looking through the, the hard books that you can hear here. Um, it reminds me of like the old Sears catalogs that I would go through and everything like that. Uh, so it's got some nostalgia for me. But I also look ahead at what's coming out digitally anyways. So... Um, so yeah, I don't I don't mind doing the DC catalog that way. So we'll see what I have to do for the next episode uh, because like I said I think I think they still have like DC Connect issue one available online, and I think that was the first one where they that possibly is the first one where they started doing this. Um, I might have a DC catalog still on the next previews and a physical catalog next previews. I'm not sure, but for this one, I do have previews. So I thought it would be good. Just, that's why I thought it'd be good just to throw this episode or this thing into the last episode, even though I ended that one, <laughs> I'm just throwing this in at the end and we can go through these catalogs. Uh, like I said, I don't even remember what I marked in these. Um, so it's going to be a fun uh, adventure. Some of the stuff maybe I've read, some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff probably has already come out now uh, after the pandemic, but uh, but it'll be interesting. So starting off with DC, and we have Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. This is the sequel to Dark Metal uh, that they did uh, not that long ago, a little over a year ago. And this is Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, who is an awesome creative team. I love when they work together. I loved them when they were on Batman. I loved them when they worked on uh, they worked on a few other projects and everything together. Um, I have not read issue one. I think they're up to issue three. I want to say that has come out so far because um, I want to get caught up on my Justice League. I'm a, I'm a bit behind on Justice League, um, and not too terribly far behind, but I am a little bit behind. So. Um, so I want, that's why I want to get caught up on that before getting to this. I've been reading it and stuff like that. The thing that has happened is I'm getting behind on a few other titles because I'm getting caught up on my Star Joe's titles now, which I actually don't see as a bad thing. Cause once I get caught up on my Star Joe's stuff, I have more stuff to talk to you guys about because that's what the show is about is the Star Joe's stuff anyways. Um, and I can do the, keep the YouTube stuff going and keeping that stuff fresh and everything else with still doing some jump backs to other things. But um, so I don't mind that I'm a bit behind on some of these titles uh, that are out there. Uh, then we have Generation 1 that's in here. And this, from what I understand, got canceled. Now, what this was supposed to be was this was supposed to be uh, a new launching point, kind of like um, kind of like a Rebirth, but not quite like Rebirth. And not, not like New 52, but it was supposed to be like... Uh, 
supposed to send things into the future for DC. Um, but this was a Dan Dio uh, project, and it was a one-shot being done for this, and then it became a mini-series of one-shots. Um, and it was and it was supposed to flow out of uh, the Flash Forward story, which was actually a really good mini-series. I really liked that. But we never really got a conclusion to that. From what I understand, there is a digital comic online that continues what or wraps up or continues what happened with Wally West and Flash Forward. Um, I like paper. I like my paper. So that's I, I guess I'll go try to see if I can find it online. Um, but yeah, this generation one never happened. Like I was actually kind of interested to see what they were going to do. Cause I kind of saw it as like alternate realities and multiverses and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was interesting to kind of see this artwork and everything else that uh, for something that never happened. Uh, Batman, the adventure continues. Number one, this is, uh, written by Paul Dini and Alan Burnett and art by, by Ty Templeton. So this continues the Batman animated series adventures. Uh, and is the Dini, uh, you know, this is the Bruce Tim universe type stuff. Paul Dini wrote a lot of this stuff before. Uh, so I absolutely love it. Uh, I read the first issue. I haven't read it. I think they're up to issue three. I think issue three just recently came out. I haven't read issue two or three yet, but I did read, I did read issue one, which is what's in this previous catalog. Um, it was fun. Like, it maybe my my anticipation was too high, um, and that happens. Like you get really hyped up about something, and then you're just like, like, oh, that wasn't as earth shattering. Like it was really good. It was a lot of fun. It was definitely in that universe, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But for some reason, it was kind of like I think I expected more for a number one. Like I expected it to grab me more, and it didn't really grab me. It just it felt like another Batman, the animated adventures story. It just felt like another one. It didn't feel like the start of a new thing. It just felt like, Oh, okay. We're doing a new adventure. Okay. Uh, this is a new, as if the season had seasons had just continued and this is just another story in there. Um, so I really, really liked it. I don't mean to diminish it at all, but I just, I think I expected a little bit more pop, in the first issue. And, um, I love the artwork. I love this universe. As you guys know, I actually redid my shelves. Uh, like I said, I'm working on reorganizing everything. My shelf for Batman anime series is almost all done. There's a few figures I need to find in my collection to set them up, but everything else is done. And I took a variant cover from this, uh, which variant cover was by Dan Mora. It was Batman and Robin running with uh, Batgirl and Nightwing behind them and everything. Um, I actually took that variant cover and uh, f- got like a, I have these plastic comic frames. Uh, they're you know they're just they're cheapy but they're they look nice. Uh, so I put that in there and put that behind uh, the Batmobile that I have. And uh, so yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm going to do that with a few other. I have a few other covers like I have a. Um, not uh, J. Scott Campbell uh, Catwoman cover for the 80-page giant that they did for her 80th anniversary giant. Um, I have a... It's the animated version in J. Scott Campbell's artwork. Um, So I want to frame that one and put it behind there, too. So I'm going to have, like, this nice little row of cool animated adventure comics behind 
uh, the fig behind the, the Batmobile that's up there and some of the figures and stuff. So very excited about that. Um, there are a few things I need to fill in the gaps. Like, um, I know they came out with single figures of poison Ivy and Bane and, um, Mr. Freeze and Killer Croc. And I want to get those because those are based off of the original run and not the uh, Adventures of Batman and Robin, which I still liked those. I just didn't like the designs that they did with some of the villains, how they changed them a bit. I really liked the original looks of the first couple seasons. Um, so, like, I don't like what they did with Scarecrow at all. Scarecrow looked so horrible. Um, but the first two seasons of Batman Animated Adventures, uh, animated series, that uh, Scarecrow is amazing, and I have that figure. Um, but they, and then there was, so there's a, I want to get those for, um, I would love to get a Renee Montoya, but I know she only came out with the, prison set that had those other four figures that I just mentioned. So that was originally, that was the only way you could get those five figures. And that prison set was way too expensive. Like I, I know it was like a light up box and everything else, but it was just like, you were paying a ridiculous amount for five figures, like five action figures. Um, I want to say it was like 150, 125, 150 or something like that. And I was like, it may have even been more than that. It may have been like a $200 set. I was like, that's way too much. Um, I've tried to find the Renee Montoya figure like on eBay and stuff like that. And she's near impossible. So I don't think a lot of people even got that set. Um, and, uh, so I haven't been able to find her at all. I would love to track her down. I have pretty much everyone else that I want, uh, other than the four I just mentioned. Um, so like I have a Bullock, I have a, um, Jim Gordon, although I have to find my bullock. I can't, so the figures I have that I can't find that I know I have somewhere because I've seen them, <laughs> I have Harvey Bullock still in the packaging. So I know that he was still in the packaging last time I saw him. Um, and I have Catwoman. Um, I have a Two Face. And then I have a Mr. Freeze, but it's the second, it's the third, fourth season Mr. Freeze. So I, I definitely want to get the one that I mentioned, which is the first, second season version. Um, and I think that's it as far as the ones that I haven't found already. So, um, that I know I own somewhere. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I've got like Joker, Harley Quinn, I've got the hyenas uh, to go with them, which is cool. I got Penguin, Riddler, Scarecrow, Ra's al Ghul, Talia al Ghul, Clayface, Man Bat, um, which my Man Bat, I don't know if any of you guys have that figure, but the, the one set of arms, with his wings all the way spread out, they don't stay in his arm sockets. Um, where the ones where they're folded in a little bit, they, they stay in, but they don't stay in really well. So thankfully I'm just posing them, but I was like, wow, if this was a toy, like it's not a really good toy. There's a lot of figures I'm not keeping that I did get. Like I got the, uh, uh, whatever her name is rocket, whatever. Um, and then I got like Etrigan, the demon and stuff like, like I'm not keeping those. I'm debating on keeping Zatanna cause she really didn't, she wasn't really a Batman character, but I, I like the character. I like Zatanna and I like the, um, figure. I think it's a cool figure. So I haven't decided on her. Um, but I have stuff like I have the mask of the phantasm. I got the, uh, Batman beyond figure with the old Bruce Wayne, which I actually had to find those, but I got those. So I got them because I love Batman beyond and I love old Bruce Wayne, but I really got it because I, it's the only set that came with ACE, the Bat Hound. So it was like, 
I wanted Ace the Bat Hound for my setup. So, but I got like Batman on his Bat Cycle. I did not get the Bat Wing. The Bat Wing was way, it was very expensive and it was way too huge for me to even be able to put it someplace. So, um, but I got the Batman, uh, the Batmobile, uh, which is also huge, but it, at least it can sit up on a shelf and I can put other figures in front of it and stuff like that. Um, I also got the, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going on this weird tangent of Batman animated series, but you guys know it's like my favorite cartoon of all time. Um, I also got the uh, Eagle Moss figures that they did. Uh, and I can't find my Riddler. I think I have the Riddler one, but I can't find them. I did get the Clayface one, but mine showed up broken and they couldn't replace it. Um, so I've, I'm looking, I have to look on eBay to see. Uh, I, I think people are selling it at a decent, like a relatively good price. I think they're selling it almost like what it costs in the store. So, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't find Riddler. Um, I can find him on eBay, but I, I feel like I have him already, but all the rest of them I have, um, which is awesome. Um, so, and those look really cool. They're like these nice painted, uh, looking figures and everything, you know, pewter type figures that Eagle Moss does. So I really like having those. They're, those are all lined up right outside the Batmobile. And then there's a shelf underneath the Batmobile that has all of the animated series action figures. Um, so it's a really cool setup. I really like how it came out. I still have a f- quite a few figures to fit into there because I still have to fit like Alfred in there. I have an animated series Superman and Lois that I actually want to fit into there also. Um, cause even though they weren't really much of the animated series, I really just, I liked the Superman animated series and the Lois and everything else. And you know, that's, that's his friends. That's Batman's friends. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking to do that. I know they've been coming out or are coming out with figures based on these, on this comic, the Batman adventure continues. Like they're going to come out with, uh, an, an Azrael, uh, figure and they're going to come out with a death stroke one. And so, and I'm like, yeah, I don't. I, I want to stick to that season one, season two line uh, that were actually directly related to the cartoon. Um, so that's really that. That's for the most part. That's the version. I th- it might be all the parts, <laughs> but that's the versions of the characters that I have as far as action figures and stuff like that. So um, yeah. So long tangent, but that's just part of my collecting uh, that I thought you guys would like to know. Uh, then we have uh, right up my alley, Green Lantern 80th anniversary, 100 page, super spectacular number one. I did get this. I did read it, uh, and. Uh, loved, loved it. Uh, loved to be able to read, uh, Green Lantern again, because I have the Grant Morrison series and he's been going for a little while right now. Um, I haven't, still haven't read past issue three. I just can't like, I I'm going to, I need to, it's my favorite character. I should, but this, this issue coming out was like a breath of fresh air for me. Cause I was like, Oh good. I can read Green Lantern again. Like I can be excited about reading Green Lantern. I know I can read Green Lantern. I just, like I said, haven't been excited. When this issue came out, I was like, I am very excited. I did get a few of the covers. Like I got the Yvonne Hayes one from the 2000s because that's just, that's the Jeff Johns era, which is like the best, um, it's the best era. Uh, I love the Denny O'Neill um, and uh, Neil Adams era. That's probably number two for me. Um, although I will say Hard Traveling Heroes is my favorite Green Lantern story. There's a lot of sentimental attachment to that. Cause it was one of the first things that I read that was a green lantern story. One of the first things I read, Ganthet's tale was the first thing I read. Um, 
that was actual comic of Green Lantern. Um, but the Jeff Johns era, I mean, just you had all the multi lanterns, multicolored lanterns coming out and everything else, which they're just. I I have again. I'm behind on Grant Morrison, but it doesn't look like he's tapped into that at all. In fact, it's almost like he's ignored that that's even been part of the history. I could be wrong, and you guys can correct me if I'm at, if I am. But uh, I just love the whole universe that Jeff Johns created um, and just ran with it. So uh, I I got the Nicola Scott variant, which has all of the different lanterns, including like Teen Lantern that was in Young that's in Young Justice and Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz. Like it's got all all the lanterns are there. Um, I got the main cover. I got the blank cover that's green. Um, so I got some cool cool covers for this one because again that's my boy that's my top character so uh batman 94 and batman 95 so batman 94 i did read batman 95 i did not yet uh because it's the beginning of joker war i am getting all of joker war i really like what james tinian's doing i have been a fan of his writing for a while though so um and then you got gilliam march who was doing the artwork in uh 94 that was a really good story. Again, I think James Tinian's killing it. I'm glad he's writing Joker War. I'm looking forward to reading that. I have read almost everything that's the journey up to Joker War. So, like, the Nightwing issues that led up to it, um, Batgirl issues that are leading up to it and everything. So, I have all of those. I haven't been getting Nightwing and Batgirl, but I'm I'm getting everything that's tied into Joker War because Joker is my favorite villain of all time. Uh, I think I've mentioned that before. So anytime we can have a story with him where he's the focal point, I'm very interested in what they're doing with him. It seems like from everything I can tell is that he, he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne and he has destroyed everything of Bruce Wayne's life as far as his fortune and everything else. Um, and relationships and all that type of stuff. And Batman's on his own. And that's when Joker war starts is, is from that point. So, uh, I really, really love, uh, what Timian's doing. I'm looking forward to actually reading Joker war. I should just sit down maybe this weekend and actually read it. So, um, then we have, let's see where we jump ahead here to a couple titles that I haven't seen come out. Uh, they were solicited to come out, and I think they both got canceled. So one was Man Bat, which I am not the biggest Man Bat person. Uh, and I can't tell if this was... I don't think this is an ongoing series, but it doesn't say like how many issues this is. And it, oh, there we go, one of five. So it's a five-issue miniseries with Man Bat. Man Bat's just a, a character for me. Like When it comes to Batman villains... I, my top characters are, are Joker, of course. I mentioned him. Uh, it'd be my all-time favorite villain. So, of course, he's going to be my favorite Batman villain. Um, Scarecrow is my number two. I love I love the characters that do, can do psychological things to Batman. Like, mess with his mind a bit. Because it, I, I know there's people that love characters like Bane and stuff. And I like Bane. Bane is perfectly fine. But, like, the characters that, that challenge him physically don't really do anything for me. Um, and the ones that are just basically glorified mob bosses don't really do anything for me. So like Penguin and Two-Face, I've read good Penguin and Two-Face stories, but I don't get excited when I see Penguin and Two-Face stories. They're just, I'm just like, okay, they're Batman villains. I can't imagine a universe without them being Batman villains. Like I, they absolutely are critical 
to the Batman universe. But I don't get excited when I see Penguin's going to be the villain. I don't get excited when I see Two-Face is going to be the villain. I don't get excited when I see Mr. Freeze. Uh, Mr. Freeze is one of my least favorite Batman villains. I have read some good Mr. Freeze stories, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't excite me because for some reason he feels more like he should be a Superman villain or a Flash villain or like somebody with a superpower, like not a street-level character for me. Um an obscure one that I absolutely love is Mr. is Mr. Zaz because he's, he's deranged. He's like, it's like, it's hard for Batman to deal with. uh, That's why I love the Jokers. It's tough for Batman to deal with a character who you can't read what, or figure out what their next move is going to be, what their plan is going to be. And I feel like Mr. Zaz is like that. And that's why I also like the Scarecrow Scarecrow when he's done well, Batman doesn't really have an answer for him. He he does, but he it's it's more of a struggle. Same thing with the Riddler. So Riddler's my number three favorite Batman villain. And I know there's a lot of people that don't really care for Riddler. They seem as a, um, a poor man's Joker, and he's not. Not when he's written the way he should be written. Like again, I'm going to go back to the Batman the animated series. Batman the animated series season one and two got the Riddler perfect, like absolutely perfect. If you watch the cartoons with the Riddler in there, he is not, he is his own entity. He is not a poor man's Joker. He is not trying to be uh, any other character. He is his own entity. Um, He is, he could be smarter than Batman. Like, I'm not saying he is smarter than Batman. I'm saying he has the potential to be smarter than Batman, but he has these idiosyncrasies and these hangups that he can't let go. And they get in his way. Um, I loved the Batman Year One storyline. Uh, I know a lot of people felt like it dragged down, and I will agree it went a little too long. Um, but I felt like that was a really good Riddler story. Um, so the, when Riddler's written well, he is amazing. The problem is a lot of people don't know how to write him. They just feel like, oh, let's write him doing crimes and leaving clues for Batman. He's not the clue master. He doesn't have to leave clues, but he wants to challenge Batman. That's why I, I liked, uh, I think it was, it was, wasn't year one. It was zero year. Um, was the story like he's, he's there to challenge Batman. He wants to prove to Batman that he's smarter than Batman. Um, and he does this by creating challenges for him. So it's not that he wants to get caught. It's that he wants to prove that he's smarter. He's wants to prove that he's the one in charge that he's the one that can can be the one that comes out on top um he's he's basically insecure uh so that's why i really like him when he's written well is because he has these essences uh, uh, to him that really work f- against someone like batman so so like i said this mini series with man bat um, I like the idea of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde aspect of it. I like the Dr. Kirk Langstrom being like, you know, in all that works with him, but it's just, it's not, it's not necessarily a character that excites me. It's kind of like the Mr. Freeze thing where it doesn't, he doesn't really excite me. Poison Ivy is another one where it's like, I like Poison Ivy more than Mr. Freeze or Man Bat. Um, I think there's more to her when she's written well, she's an awesome villain, but again, having the superpowers of controlling plants makes it tough to have her being like a favorite Batman villain for me. Um, 
but she works a bit better than some of the other ones. Uh, so I do like Poison Ivy. Um, but yeah, I don't know if she'd even, I don't know if she'd be in my top 10 Batman villains. If she is, she's like nine or 10. Um, but like the other ones, like Man Bat, not even on the top 10 list. Mr. Freeze, not in the top 10. Penguin's not in the top 10. Two Face is not on there. Um, so yeah, I should do a top 10 of my bat, favorite Batman villains because it could be kind of interesting to figure that out and might be a bit surprising. Bane probably would be in my top 10 um, when he's written well. When you have Nightfall Bane, uh, where he creates a, a crazy challenge for Batman so that he can just wear him down, that's the Bane I like. That's I don't care about the muscle-bound, venom-induced Bane. I know that's part of who he is, and there's that addiction there and everything else, and, and I like that. That's good. But I don't need the Hulk Bane, which we have gotten sometimes, where it's just like, I'm stronger than you, so I'm going to beat the crap out of you. No, that's that's not how Bane works. So, um, so yeah. So, I, I might do that tonight after I'm done, because I like making lists. It's it's a weird thing I know to be like, oh yeah, after I'm done, I'm going to make a list of my top five, my top 10 favorite Batman villains, just because I want to do my top 10 favorite Batman villains. It's just, I don't know. I'm weird. Okay. <laughs> the other one in here is Manhunters, the secret history. Number one, this was a, a five part miniseries. Also this one, I'm actually disappointed uh, that I'm not going to be able to, that it hasn't come. It's not coming out. Maybe it's going to come out in, in digital and then come out in a trade. I don't know. Uh, but this has, uh, I really liked the Manhunter series that was done a few years back, maybe 10 years back or so. Uh, but this, this had uh, Kate Spencer as uh, as Manhunter. Um, that's the, that's what the series has, and that's what this miniseries was going to have, and it was going to delve into the whole history of Manhunter because there was other characters that were Manhunter. Um, I don't know if it would delve in even into the robots that were Manhunters. I don't know. Uh, this was supposed to be this was supposed to be tied into the event of Leviathan storyline, which I didn't finish. Um, I heard it was really good. The first issue left me a little lackluster. So again, like I've mentioned many times in past episodes, when I read an issue that I'm just kind of meh about, it doesn't get me excited to read the next issue. And sometimes I fall behind and don't circle back till much later. So, um, but I did hear Leviathan event Leviathan was actually really good. So, and I've been still getting the stuff tied into Leviathan, but this, I was going to be very interested to read. And actually this probably would have got me to go back and finish reading event Leviathan. Um, so, all right. Uh, jumping ahead, we have Batman secret files. Number three, this was actually good. I did read this, um, again, you got James Tinian writing some of it and everything else. This was actually a better secret files than some of the past secret files. A lot of the past secret files, I did reviews on these where all they were was an excuse to do anthologies. Like they would take an anthology that they would take a bunch of short stories and just throw them together. They didn't do what a secret files is supposed to do, which secret files is supposed to give you some background to the care, some of the characters, you get some, gain some insight to some of the characters. Um, maybe you learn a little bit more about Bruce. Maybe you learn a little bit more about Alfred. Maybe you learn a little bit more about the villains, stuff like that. But it, it's always like some story about when they were younger or some, uh, some little behind the scenes story from the main story. And that's what this one actually did. This one, uh, they were actually dealing with 
some of the uh, villains facing off against, uh, they were set up to go against Bruce and uh, he, and it's all part of the stuff leading up to Joker War, and this actually had, like, little stories about each of the villains, and it was, so it was actually a really good Secret Files. The only thing they didn't do, which Secret Files usually did, is they usually had profiles in there about each character. They didn't do that this time. It's fine. Um, You know, it is what it is. Um... Then looking at, uh, we got Shazam number 13. This looks like it's bringing back Superboy Prime, which I thought that's very interesting. I'm up to issue eight or nine, I want to say. I'm only a few issues behind. Um, this issue 13 just came out recently. Uh, very interested in this. I want to say that this or one of the issues coming up is going to be like the last issue of Shazam, which is a shame because uh, I really like Jeff Johns writing it. I love D- Dale Englishman drawing it, of course. Beautiful artwork. Um, so, but, uh, you know, a lot of times good things do end. So, uh, then we have some trade paperbacks here. So we have Batgirl, Volume 7, Oracle Rising, which I got almost all the issues to this. There was one issue I was missing I needed to just track down. Uh, but I was interested in there being another Oracle out there. So anytime in Oracle is my favorite version of Barbara Gordon. Like, I love her as Batgirl. She's awesome as Batgirl. But my favorite role for her has always been Oracle. I am sad that they took that away f- from her. I think it was a very cool character for multiple reasons like one it was a very positive message out there for real people in the real world like just because you might be stranded uh i don't say stranded but strapped to a wheelchair or confined that's the word i was looking for confined to a wheelchair doesn't make you less capable of doing amazing things and she you know she showed what trauma she went through uh that put her in the wheelchair and how she overcame that and everything else. And it wasn't like, you know, I I talked about agenda comics earlier in in the episode, like the one that I recorded before this, it wasn't done with an agenda to do that. It was just done to tell a good, strong character story. And then because they focused on telling a good, strong character story, people got stuff out of the character. Like, Hey, you can overcome amazing things uh and amazing challenges if you really uh put your mind to it uh so it's a shame that they took that away and she was just it was a cool concept to have her being this oracle that could communicate with the rest of the dc universe and help them get the information they needed and go where they needed to go and so like i just really like that i said love her as batgirl it's awesome but i really loved when she was oracle and stephanie brown was batgirl that's when it was amazing like i loved her as oracle and then stephanie brown as batgirl oh perfect like and now we've taken stephanie brown back to being spoiler which fine with that i like the spoiler character but man stephanie brown as batgirl was awesome that series is amazing um i think i sold the actual issues i had the issues and i got the trades that collect the storyline because i really just wanted the story um I always love having the issues, but I'm, I'm kind of pulling away from that more and more if I can still have the stories in some other format, especially if it's a story I really loved. And that Batgirl with, with Stephanie Brown was an awesome series. And I so I have it in trade. I love having it in trade. It's awesome. Um, but, man, I would love like, that's one of the things I would, like, if I could write some stories, like, I would put 
I'm sorry, but I would put Barbara Gordon back in the wheelchair. Um, it might be cruel to say that, but that's what I would do. I would get her back to being Oracle and I would put Stephanie Brown in the Batgirl costume again. So that's just me. And actually Young Justice did that recently where they uh, made her Batwoman in an alternate universe. They didn't have Oracle, Barbara Gordon back as Oracle, but they did have Stephanie Brown as like a Batwoman character, but she really was Batgirl. She looked like Batgirl uh, when she would, when she did that. And that was so cool to see again. Um, and I actually have the Stephanie Brown Batgirl action figure. I need to get the Barbara Gordon as Oracle action figure. I never got that one and I regret it because I really want, I have a, um, so, and I'm pretty sure it was during Hush that she was still Oracle. I'm almost a hundred percent positive on that, but I have, uh, I'm going to have a Hush, uh, Batman Hush shelf and I want to get a Barbara Gordon as Oracle to put on that shelf. Uh, I think that would look really, really cool. So, um, then there's also speaking of Barbara Gordon, there's also Batman adventures, Batgirl league of her own trade paperback. This collects some of the, uh, Paul Dini, uh, Ty Templeton stories that were done previously, uh, that involve Barbara Gordon's Batgirl. Uh, then we have, um, dark Knight returns the golden child deluxe edition hardcover. This was a one shot that was in paper version. This was Frank Miller. Uh, if you like that stuff, definitely this would be right up your alley. Um, then I mentioned earlier the flash forward. They do have a trade paperback for that. Um, that was actually a good story. If you were upset with what they did to Wally West in Heroes in Crisis, like I was, then this is what you actually want to get is this trade because it corrects a lot of that. Uh, it doesn't correct it, but it, it puts them back into a positive light again. Um, then there's Green Lantern, 80 years of the Emerald Knight hardcover. Absolutely have this. Absolutely love it. Of course it's Hal Jordan. I have the 75 year one. I had to get the 80 year one also. Um, they put in some different stories and everything else, but the cool thing is, is, and people noticed it on the back and I didn't realize this. I don't know why they didn't, why they put this on, didn't put this on the back. They did not include Kyle Rayner on the back of the book. When they were, they like basically name all the different lanterns that their stories for in there, but they don't mention Kyle Rayner. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, what the hell? They're ignoring Kyle Rayner again." Um, like he's my favorite Green Lantern. Like a lot of people, he's not my favorite Green Lantern. Hal Jordan's my favorite, but Kyle's my number two. Like is a close number two. Um, and people were upset about that, and rightfully so. They didn't, they put, they didn't put his name on the back of the book. He's in the book though. He's in this hardcover book, so it's cool. Like. Um, Yes, I think it's the story with Hal, so it's like it it it, it makes sense, like why it's in there and everything else. So, um, but and it highlights Kyle perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know why they d did that, but it's an awesome hardcover, well worth getting. So then we have uh, Justice League International Omnibus Volume Two hardcover. So I have Volume One. Volume two, of course. I mean, I've got all the Justice League Omnibus editions. They're awesome. They're really cool. Uh, we also have Justice League of America by Brad Meltzer, the deluxe edition. This collects uh, Justice League of America 0 through 12 and just Society of America 5 and 6. Uh, obviously, they did a crossover there. I do remember really liking this when it 
came out. It was Brad Meltzer and Jeff Johns writing. Uh, it had Ed Bennis art and Dale Egosham art and Shane, da- Shane Davis art and Gene Ha. So a lot of really good artists. Um, I really liked that uh, when it came out. I didn't get this book. Uh, I think it's going to have to be one that goes on the list of things to get at some point. So uh, Then we do have a new printing of Justice League of America, the Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1. I do have this. It is awesome. Uh, it is old. It is the very first Justice League story. So they are cheesy stuff, like they're cheesy Silver Age stories that are DC, but they're the origin of a lot of different villains and characters and everything else. Uh, it's the beginning of the Justice League. Uh, it, it's worth going back and, and reading some of those. So uh, then we also have uh, Legion of Superheroes, five years later, Omnibus hardcover. So this collects a lot of, I believe it was like late 80s, early 90s, uh, Legion of Superheroes. So I've been getting the Omnibus stuff with Legion of Superheroes. I love the Legion of Superheroes. So yeah, it was definitely something that uh, was worth well worth reading. Um, then uh, Supergirl, Being Super, uh, this was Mariko uh, Tamaki and Joelle Jones doing the artwork. Um, this was a really great story. Like this is this was a great origin story for Supergirl, and I don't mean origin like where she came from as far as like Krypton and all that type of stuff. This was like she was already a teen. She started to learn about her powers and everything else. Really good. The artwork's beautiful. It's got heart. It's got you know. It's a very compelling story uh, and is well worth checking out. Uh, I mentioned the Batman animated series. The adventures continue. How they were going to be doing some uh, additional figures <coughs> based on the new comics. Well, that's what these figures are. So they have the Batman who laughs done in the animated style, which that's actually pretty funny uh, to do that figure in this animated style. I'm not looking to get them, but I think it's it's interesting. Like I said, I'm sticking to that season one, season two. Um, speaking of that, they do have Catwoman here. Uh, but they have where you can get an alternate head where she's unmasked. And so she's got the blonde hair and everything else. Um, I'm, I was, I'm tempted to find this, this figure just because I like the unmasked version. I think that's kind of cool, but I'm not sure. Um, cause again, not sure if I have room for, uh, then we have vampire Batman, which is the, uh, uh red rain Batman. Yeah. Not looking to get that. I think it's cool. It's very, again, like the Batman who lasts. It's very interesting that they made an animated version of that. Uh, then they have Batman version two, which version two is that season three and four where it's Batman and Robin, the animated series, uh, which I like those again, they're enjoyable. I have a lot of fun with them. Uh, but, uh, I love the season one, season two so much more. So, um, that is it from DC. So we're going to jump right into Marvel. Um, I've been going for a little while right now. Uh, and I'm going to take a couple seconds here to go get something to drink. Alright, so I went and got something to drink. Now we're going to tackle uh, the Marvel previews catalog, which has previews about Empire 2. I have gotten the Empire storyline. Um, again, one of those things, I just haven't read all of it yet. Um, I haven't even read issue one yet, but I read Road to Empire number uh, zero, and I read 
uh, Fantastic Four Empire number zero. I need to read Avengers number zero and then actually get into the heart of the of the rest of it. Um, but in here, there's Empire Savage Avengers number one, which I heard was it's a one shot. I heard that was really good. I think I picked up a second printing of it, um, but I can't remember if I did or not. But I heard, like I said, I heard that was really good. Empire Captain America. I, it's uh, part one of three. I did get that. I know with Empire, I thought about just not getting stuff um, other than the main title, but I'm getting mostly stuff that um, I was get I would be getting anyway. So I normally get a Captain America title anyway. So I was like, I'll get the Empire Captain America. Same thing with Avengers. Um, I did get the Fantastic Four ones because they are tied into very directly into. Um, the whole Empire storyline. It's like it's like Fantastic Four and Avengers are the two main factions in the Empire storyline. Um, here we have Empire Storm Ranger, which I don't know who Storm Ranger is. It looks like she has some funky like arms coming out, kind of like Iron Spider. Um, let's see, the Kree nano suit known as Storm Ranger was once bonded to Miss Marvel, but after deciding. Kamala's version of justice wasn't deadly enough. Storm Ranger rebelled against her. Now Storm Ranger is charting her own course, just in time for the United Kree Skrull Empire to engulf Earth in the centuries-old conflict. Whose side is this ruthless space vigilante on, and how much havoc will she reap before we find out? So I don't know who's actually in the costume now, um, or the suit. But yeah, it's, I don't know, didn't seem all that important to me, so I did not get that. There's also Empire Thor, uh, number one of three. Um, I guess some cool cosmic stuff. Again, I'm not getting Thor right now, although I've heard Tommy Cates is doing an amazing job with Thor. I'm not surprised. He typically does an amazing job. But um, yeah, it was just something that I... Uh, passed on. Uh, another thing I passed on was Squads and Supreme. So again, it's one of those things where like this Empire just has so many titles. And I think a lot of these were potentially canceled because some of these I don't recognize as being titles that came out while this Empire thing's going on. Like the Squads and Su- Supreme one by Mark Wade. I don't actually remember seeing this anywhere. I also don't remember seeing Storm Ranger. I do kind of remember seeing Thor, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not really sure on some of these titles. Uh, the Invasion of Wakanda, number one of three. Again, one that I'm not sure I actually saw. I will say um, absolutely heartbroken over uh, Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, I mean, he he was an amazing actor. And I'm not just saying that because he passed away. I know that's the thing to do, be like, oh, he's such an amazing actor. And it's like, yeah, you didn't really know him or anything like that. Um, I didn't know him. But, I mean, he was 43 years old. Uh, cancer freaking sucks. But, man, he was a powerhouse as far as, like, the stuff that he still acted through, even though he was fighting cancer. Um, and, yeah, it was just a shock. It was just, like, that's what it was. And that's why it impacted me so much, because it was just a shock. I didn't know anything was wrong with him. He kept it very private. Um, and he just, he did what he does. Um, I saw these awesome photos afterwards of how he went to children's hospitals and like brought smiles to their faces. And it looked like he was having a bigger smile on his face being there than the kids did even. Um, and I don't mean that as a slight to him. Like, it's not like, oh, he enjoyed it more than them. 
uh, like they weren't enjoying it. They were enjoying the hell out of it. It's just, man, he was getting something out of it so much. Uh, also, um, just recently watched uh, training day with, uh, or not training day, uh, draft day with my wife. And, uh, cause I hadn't seen it and it's centers around the Cleveland Browns and stuff like that. And, and seeing him in that was really interesting too. He, he doesn't play a huge part in it. He, his character plays a pivotal role, but he doesn't play a huge, like actual part. He's kind of like a secondary character. Um, but he, the parts that he does play was just like, like, wow, that was actually really like, he has some real emotional moments in it. And that was awesome. And the movie's actually really good too. Um, I was surprised at how much I really liked it. And then I saw like all the big actors that were in it. And it was, uh, Ivan Reitman that did the directing and produced it. I was like, Oh, okay. Ivan Reitman story. Of course I'm going to like it. Um, and, uh, and then like I said, a lot of really good actors and, and everything. So, uh, including Chadwick, but, um, but yeah, he came up just because, you know, the whole invasion of Wakanda here. I didn't get this one. I don't know if it actually came out. Like I said, a lot of these didn't really actually come out. So, um, like this one, uh, there's one for Ghost Rider. I, it was a one shot. I don't know if that one actually came out or not. Um, I'm going to do a quick search while I'm talking here to see. I mean, I probably could have done this for all of them, but then it would be very boring while I'm trying to look up, like, Oh, did, you know, did this one come out? Did that one come out and everything else? Um, it looks like they, uh, had, uh, empire number four first printing with a ghost rider variant on it, but I don't see an actual ghost rider tie in issue. So it looks like they just did a, a variant cover that had a ghost rider on it. So, um, so it looks like that title never actually got produced. So a lot of these, like I was saying, a lot of these, um, Empire tie-ins, they evidently t- decided to whittle it down because of, probably because of the pandemic and said, oh, we really can't afford to do all these titles right now. Uh, so we're not going to do all of them. Uh, but there was Empire Avengers number two of three. Uh, I do have that. Uh, Celestial Messiah, that one uh, did come out. I do have that one shot. Again, haven't read it yet. Uh, there's a Spider-Man one which I think the Spider-Man ones did come out. I, I did not get the Spider-Man ones, even though I get, do get Amazing Spider-Man. I decided not to get the Spider-Man Empire just because I felt like it was a side one. Again, if they even did that one, um, because I think what ended up happening, which is a good lesson learned, is all these little tertiary little stories that they normally would do, like all these different issues of and try to get you to get all of them uh they canceled a lot of them because they didn't matter uh the their storylines didn't have any impact on their real story so why even produce them um and spider-man looks like it's one of those two i can't find uh well okay maybe i can find it uh i'm finding empire number two 2020 marvel comics secret spider-man variant cover um So it looks like that may have just been a variant cover. Yeah, it looks like they took the cover that was supposed to be for this number two, or for this number two of Empire Spider-Man miniseries and just used that cover as a variant cover for Empire number two. So this Spider-Man Empire never, looks like it never actually saw fruition. 
they just used the cover of one of, of it of this number two to put as a variant cover for the actual Empire main storyline uh, number two. So interesting. Um, so evidently the Spider-Man story wasn't critical. Uh, then we have the Union, which again tertiary thing that I believe did not happen. Um, even though this was a five-issue miniseries to go along with it, um, they, they, you know, this, the union, I think was supposed to lead into some other stuff, but it, they decided not to make it. So, um, yeah, all, I really find this interesting that they decided, yeah, this story actually doesn't matter. And this story actually doesn't matter. So, and we're not going to go anywhere with some of these stories. So let's just not do them. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting to kind of look back at previews like this. Juggernaut, number one of five. Uh, I don't know if this one actually came out or not. This was a mini series. This was one of those ones that came out and I was like, why? Who was asking for a Juggernaut mini series? Like seriously, like who? I, I really would love to know who, who said, oh, we need a Juggernaut mini series right now. Um, so it looks like there was like a one shot that came out not that long ago that was Juggernaut. Um, looks like this miniseries is probably going to come out in September. So it's coming out this month. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't have any interest in this storyline at, at all. Um, I'm not a big Juggernaut fan. I just, I, I've never been a big fan. I think I've mentioned this before. I've never been a big fan of the big hulking characters. Like, like Hulk. Like, I like Hulk. He's fine. He's, Immortal Hulk is actually really good. But I think this is dealing more with the psychological stuff than it is with him just being brute force. Um, you know, I know my buddy Sam, he loves the big beefy characters. Like, he loves He-Man. He loves Conan. He loves... Um, all of those, you know, the bigger muscular characters that are just strong, you know, brute force type characters, like he's all about it. And I know a lot of the people that are too, it's not the characters that appeal to me. Like, I just don't find them as characters that I'm like, oh, you know, that's somebody I even identify with. Like, um, and maybe that's what it is. I just don't really identify with them at all. So, um, we have uh, Giant Size X-Men Phantom X, number one. So they've been doing a lot of these Giant Size issues. I find that interesting. Uh, this is supposed to come out um, soon. Uh, Giant Size X-Men Tribute to Wine, uh, Ween and Cockrum. So what they're doing with this, not, and I heard a lot of people saying, like, why does this even have to be made? It doesn't have to be made. Guess what? None of these comics have to be made. I still think this is kind of a cool idea, which is they're doing they're redoing Giant Size X Men number one, but they're doing it with a different artist taking on a, a different page. So like every page, I think it's like every page is being drawn by a different cre- uh, artist, a different creative person. So I think that's really kind of neat. It'll be interesting to see the different styles uh, on something like this. Uh, my dog once again wants to go out. She's gonna sit there and not do anything, and then want back in. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, sometimes dogs are interesting. Um, but yeah, so this I 
I like the fact that they're doing this giant size X-Men tribute thing. Um, do I want them to do more and more of these? No. Like, but I think this was like, this was such a monumental issue, uh, that took X-Men in a whole different direction made them the success that they are and everything else that I, I think it's a neat idea. Um, you know, are there other issues in comics that, that I think that would be worth doing too? Yeah, there's probably a few, but I bet you can count them on one hand. Um, like I said, I think that this is this is one of those. So, uh, the Marvels. This is an, a new ongoing series that's kind of tied into uh, the Marvel uh, stuff that they've been doing. Uh, so you've been getting a lot of different. Um, uh, like this is Kurt Busiek writing it and everything else. I, I think this is interesting. This is going to be one of those things where um, I'm hoping maybe they'll just do some nice collected editions, maybe in hardcovers or something like that. That's the format that I would get this stuff in. Um, I think it's very cool. I just, it's not something I necessarily need to get in single issues. I think this is somewhere, especially with Kurt Busiek, I always feel like Busiek, he's an amazing writer. He's an incredible writer, but I feel like I always do better when it's like, Read, get all this stuff gathered together and read it that way. Uh, Avengers Marvel's Snapshot uh, and then Spider-Man Marvel's Snapshot. Both of these are number ones. Uh, they're just one shots. Um, but I did get the Captain America one like this and it was really neat because it was uh, much like Marvel's does. It deals with the people outside the heroes. So it's just the regular civilians and how they're impacted by the heroes. So I think these ones would be really interesting to read. Um, then we have 20, uh, the whole Iron Man 2020 is, was going on. Um, and we had just recently come out. I, I just wanted to mention this 2020 I Wolverine number one of two. It's written by Larry Hama, which is why I'm mentioning it. Uh, this is not one that I picked up, but Chuck was interested. So Chuck actually picked this up. I'm interested to see what he thinks of it. Um, because I don't think, Chuck has any history with the characters that are in this. Cause this is deals with uh, Albert, which is the robot version duplicate of Wolverine. Um, and there's a lot of history there that I don't even know about. Cause I, I'm not, I wasn't really reading Wolverine at that time. Um, I'm just a, a bit familiar with the character, but um, I know he got it cause Hama was writing it. Um, but I don't know how much of it ties into the regular Iron Man 2020 storyline that's going on. It's it, it's supposed to be a tie-in to it. But yeah, so I'm very interested like how it is and did he understand everything that was going on because he wasn't reading anything else. So I, I don't know. Um, then we have Daredevil Annual number one, which is t the title of the storyline is called One More Day, which is a bad story title to pick for Marvel. Like, do they not remember how much people hated one more day for Spider-Man? Like that was a bad story. Like I know some people are like, Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. I, it was a bad story. Most people agree that that was a bad story. Like you messed with Spider-Man's timeline and you messed with like who he is and it, just everything like not and not in a good storytelling kind of way just to it was a very selfish move that they did so just like oh i don't think spider-man should be married <sighs> screw you like he had plenty of years as a teenager he had plenty of years of 
having a rough life and now because he's married, like he's not supposed to get that type of happiness. Like what type of sick torture type of person are you? Um, I don't know. It was just like, I just felt like it was such a bad move for all the wrong reasons. Um, and then to come out with a storyline for daredevil and call it one more day. It's like, I don't think you're making the same mistake, but I think you're making a mistake by titling it that. So I don't know. It's just, uh, I saw that title. I was like, what are you thinking? Uh, then we have some, uh, star Joe stuff. We have Dr. Afra. Uh, she has her new, her new series, uh, which number three is solicited here. Um, I'm getting caught up as best as I can with Dr. Afra. Um, when Nick Spencer took it over, I've, I like Nick Spencer. I've read a lot of Nick Spencer stuff that I really liked, but his Dr. Afra right now for me is a little rough. And I did hear from other people that said when they first started reading it, it was rough, but then it got better. Uh, as it went on. So I'm looking forward to, to that happening. So, uh, then we have star Wars number six and Darth Vader, uh, number four. Um, so I have the issues. I have not read them because I am want to first get completely caught up with Dr. Afra. So then I can read the, I think it's called Ascension or, or something like that, where it, it sets things up for all these new series. So, that's the only reason I'm behind on Star Wars right now is because I need to get caught up on Dr. Afra. So, um, and I'm, I'm reading like a couple issues a week of her, but I do need to kind of step that up to get really caught up because I'm probably like 20 some issues behind. Um, then we have Star Wars Bounty Hunters number four, which when this came out, I thought it was a mini series. But nowhere on here does it say it's a miniseries. And I saw just recently they solicited like issue seven or eight or something. Like I thought it was going to be done with like issue six, five or six. It's still going, which I'm fine with because it's actually a really good story. I've read um, issues one, I want to say issues one, two, and maybe three. I definitely read issues one and two. Um, but I want to say I've read issues one, two, and three. Um, and this is soliciting number four, which would have already been out. Um by now, but, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Now there's a lot of things that set it up for, um, for this, like there was other mini series and stuff like that, that set it up and, uh, like the cadet solo. And then there was a, uh, target Vader that set up the one character balance, uh, balance Baylor. But, uh, he, he's like the main person in this bounty hunters series. Uh, but you do get a lot of the other bounty hunters that we all know. Um, but I thought that that was actually really good that they, um, they had those precursors to it, but you don't need to have read those in order to enjoy this. Uh, I did find that out for sure. Um, cause when I was reading, I was like, okay, would somebody completely cold coming in this bounty hunters storyline know what was going on? Um, and they do bring you up to speed pretty well. Um, then there's some new printings of Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 2. I do love that they are redoing some of these reprintings. This is the whole Dark, uh, not Dark Phoenix saga, but it's like the Trial of Jean Grey and all that. So, uh, then we have a new printing of Infinity Gauntlet, which is awesome. Um, and then speaking of Infinity Gauntlet, uh, they also have Thanos, the Infinity Saga Omnibus hardcover which collects all those individual hardcovers that were done by Starlin uh and Ron Lim. So they you 
you have you, there was a bunch of hardcovers that came out. There was like I'm trying to remember the names of all of them, but there was like at least five or six of them, and this collects all of them. So it it really puts them all together. Um, and I haven't read all of them. I read one of them, and it's it's definitely Starlin. It's it's out there, but it's good. It's actually something enjoyable. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of them. I do have all of the hardcovers. Then we have War of the Realms Omnibus, which this is, um, I really like that they did this because I'm actually interested in this because I really liked War of the Realms. I thought it was awesome. Um, but I don't think it's something that I I need to keep the issues to. Um, I would like to have this nice hardcover collected edition, and then that that would be awesome. I'd be good with that. I actually ran out of battery there. I don't know how much I ended up covering or what wasn't covered, what was covered. So we're at uh, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Empire, and this collects uh, the Agent of the Empire storylines. There was two miniseries for this, as well as The Force Unleashed, which was the video game, and Force Unleashed 2, which was a sequel video game. Um, then there was also a decade of dark horse number two, which I don't think I have that issue. I know I have said in the past, I have everything star Wars, that dark horse ever did. I don't think I have that issue. I don't know what's in that issue. I'll have to look it up to see, um, if it's something I actually have. And then there's some information from, uh, star Wars tales, number 11 and 15, which I would love to cover that one day is the, uh, Star Wars Tales and just kind of start with number one and go through them. Um, I think people would enjoy them. I know I would enjoy rereading them. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that, the thing that's tough is that while they're not in continuity, they kind of are in continuity. Like, um, some of the stories are, uh, so I don't know how much I'll need to research. Like, did this play a factor into the rest of the dark horse star Wars stuff or how much I'll remember and everything else. But, um, but maybe, maybe that doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, so I just looked up dark horse, uh, a decade of dark horse number two, four, there was a star Wars cover and I don't have this issue. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, so it was evidently there was four issues of this, and uh, I don't know if all of them have Star Wars stuff in it or not. Issue number two definitely did um, because they have Han Solo and Chewbacca on the cover. So you would figure that they do. Um, I'm not really seeing... I'll have to look these up sometime when I'm not recording. Uh, I'm just doing a quick search here to see if they show like Star Wars on the cover of any other ones. But I'm not seeing that listed anywhere. Like I see Godzilla mentioned on one of them. Um, but yeah, it seems like number two might be the only one that has star Wars stuff. So I'm actually interested in getting that issue sometime. Um, just so that I can add it. Cause I am trying to have all of the dark horse floppies, uh, that had star Wars stuff. So that one is surprising. I didn't realize. So we learn something new every day. Then we have, uh, Oz, the complete collection, Ozma, uh, Dorothy, and the Wizard. So it's Ozma of Oz and Dorothy and the Wizard uh, in Oz. Uh, So if you wanted a trade paperback version of the, uh, that was written by Eric 
Shanauer and drawn by Scotty Young. I have the hardcover collections for each one of these things, and they're awesome. They're amazing. Um, well worth uh, getting. Uh, and if you want in trade paperback, it's affordable that way. So, as you know, I have the hardcovers, and I'm happy to have the hardcovers because I love hardcovers. So, going into the previous catalog, the main previous catalog, uh, we have the goddamn The Virgin Brides one. So, me saying the goddamn, that's not me, uh, it's not me emphasizing, like, goddamn. This is actually the title of the book. It's called The Goddamned, and this is the miniseries The Virgin Brides. I do have the first uh, The Goddamned. It is uh, by Jason Aaron, uh, which is why I picked it up. I've only read the first issue or two. It is intense. Uh, it is, uh, it's like a brutal biblical telling of the world back then. It's, it's interesting. Um, it's good. It's a good read, but it's, it's, yeah, it's brutal. So, and this looks to be no, no different. So, um, then we have Oblivion Song hardcover. Uh, I really liked Oblivion Song. I did drop it only because I just needed to cut some titles. Um, but I am interested in this hardcover. Uh, they, it collects issues one through 12. So, uh, but yeah, Oblivion Song is, is really interesting. It's by Robert Kirkman. Um, it's the, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world where now there's these, they, we live inside walls and there's these creatures, um, that have mutated outside the walls and it's just a different world and people have disappeared. And then you, you f- they go out and find some of them because one guy didn't give up on his family. It's, it's a good story. It's really well done. And it, and much like Kirkman normally does, like he did with the walking dead, it focuses on the people and it doesn't, yes, they're in this weird, unusual circumstance in this weird, unusual world, but it focuses on the people. Uh, then we have the complete witch blade volume one hardcover, uh, which that's awesome. They're collecting the original witch blade. Uh, and with this, it's, Issues 1 through 19, The Darkness number 9 and 10, and Tales of the Witchblade, uh, half through 3. So it's, I like that they're collecting this. I like that it's hardcover edition. Uh, it's not like the giant omnibus editions that they did before that pretty much fell apart for people. Um, I have the Darkness one, and like you can tell how flimsy it just, it just wants to fall apart. Um, so I'm very interested in this. Uh, for some reason, I've always liked the Witchblade and I've always liked the Darkness characters. I just, I think they look cool. Um, and I feel like there's an interesting story there. So, um, so this is definitely something that I am interested in. Then jumping ahead, we have Norse mythology. Uh, number one, I just found the title interesting. The artwork looks meh, looks okay. Uh, it's nothing that's blowing me away. Um, it says artworks by Jerry Ordway, but I've seen Jerry Ordway do much better than this. So I don't know. Uh, it's written by Neil Gaiman. Um, and, uh, it looks like not all the artworks done by Jerry Ordway. Some of it's seen by Dave Stewart. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it's bad artwork. It just looks, I don't know. It looks like a, it looks like a history of Norse mythology, uh, and just done in an unusual way. It reminds me of the Marvel universe book that just came out recently. Um, it's kind of done set up in that 
sense. Um, I love Norse mythology. Uh, I love mythology in general, uh, hence Stealth Hammer stuff that I did, which I don't think I even mentioned in this episode. Um, we were successful. The Kickstarter was successful. Thank you, everybody who helped make it successful. We're going to talk about it in a future episode. I, I think Robert and John are going to come on. We're going to uh, talk about a lot of things, but uh, obviously going to mention that Kickstarter was successful and, and talk about that a bit. But um, And we're going to talk about a bunch of other things. And I know John and I both saw the new Bill and Ted movie and stuff like that, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to, we just have a bunch of stuff to talk about. So, um, but yeah, uh, I love mythology, which played into, um, the stealth hammer storyline. Uh, now the first issue that those of you guys that backed it, it's not going to have much mythology in it. Like there's going to be hints of things in it. Uh, the idea is to, well, is to set up the origin of her getting her powers have her battle a, a, a villain that's going to play a factor in, in the stories going forward, give you a nice one-and-done story, and at the end of it, leave you a bit of hints of more to come, um, but still giving you a good one-and-done story that you can just enjoy, a nice origin story. But there there are hints to mythology playing into things and uh, destinies and, and everything else, along with like sci-fi tech stuff that that you'll see as well. So... Um, yeah, I think it'll be very fun, interesting read for you guys that got it. Then we have Helsing deluxe edition volume one. This collects volumes one through four. It's with, uh, supernatural horrors, haunting the streets and preying upon humanity. The shadowy Helsing organization fights back against hell's minions. Helsing's secret weapon, the vampire Lord Alucard, whose terrifying powers are needed more than ever. As an army of the undead march on London beneath the banner of the of the swastika, um, I don't I don't think this is based on the anime Helsing. Um, I, I'm not familiar with this. I love the original, like you know, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Van Helsing, and I love how stuff have branched off of that. I of course love Tomb of Dracula, which deals with the Van Helsing bloodline and everything else all very interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know much about this one and evidently it's been out before cause it's the first time they they're like putting it all together. Um, and it's in Helsing's original seven inch by 10 inch serialized format. So and, I don't know. Very interesting. Uh, then we have IDW. We have my little pony transformers. Number one of four. I actually read the first issue of this and it is actually good. I, I know a lot of people are like, what the hell are they doing? No one asked for this. Who the hell wants this? I read it. It's actually a good story. It's not great. It's an all, it's an all ages story. It's something where like, I really do think anyone reading it, if you're a Transformers fan or a My Little Pony fan or fan of both, you'll probably really like it. Um, I went into it because I'm a Transformers fan and it's an enjoyable story. It's, nothing like mind-blowing i'm not telling you go out and oh you absolutely need to go out and get this but it's a lot better than i thought it was going to be um and a lot of it makes sense it's just it's just a fun story like it's one it's a palate cleanser story like if you've been reading heavy stuff or too much superhero stuff or anything like that just deep stuff this is the thing to pick up and be like okay this is just fun like and that's what it was so 
Um, I did do a video review on it on YouTube, so go check that out. Uh, Transformers vs. Terminator, number three of four. I still have only read the first issue, but I did do a video review of the first issue uh, on YouTube also for that. So check that out. Um, but I really like the first issue. I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. Transformers number 21, still struggling to get through that series. Transformers 84, uh, Secrets and Lies number 204. I did read number one. Loved it. It was fantastic. If you like the old Marvel run of Transformers, you need to be getting this Transformers 84. Uh, again, I did a review of this on the YouTube channel. You're going to see a theme with that because I'm actually getting stuff done when it comes to reviews. Um, yeah, this is well worth reading. Art-wise, reminds me of the 80s. Storyline reminds me of it's tied into what was happening back then. So really, really good. Uh, Transformers Galaxies number 9. Uh, this, I believe, concludes the Gauging the Truth storyline, which I did review number issue number 7, which was the start of the storyline. It's a good story. I really like Transformers Galaxies. I think they're doing a very, very good job. Um, it was a slow burn for number seven. Um, and then it really picks up at the end. Um, and so I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this story arc that they have here. Uh, then we have star Wars, the rise of Skywalker graphic novel adaptation. I like these simply because they're the artwork, like all it is is a retelling of the movie, but the artwork tends to be fun. It tends to be done well. Uh, it's got that, it's got that all ages artwork and I don't mean that in a negative down way. Obviously I'm doing, I'm having an all ages comic and by no means do I think Joel's artwork is like my downplaying his artwork at all. Like his artwork's amazing. It's got incredible detail and, um, and it's fun and everything else. And, and like, but there's a certain style you expect with an all ages type storytelling. Um, like, I don't picture uh, Jason Fabok or Alex Ross uh, or even Jim Lee doing all ages artwork for Rise of Skywalker. Um, number one, they probably couldn't afford to do that. But like, you want it to appeal to a wider crowd. So, and I don't want to say a younger crowd, a wider crowd, which is again what we're doing with Stealth Hammer. It's like. We're trying to appeal to a wider audience. So we want young kids to look at it and go, oh, that looks cool. We want older people to look at it and go, oh, that looks cool. But look at it for it looks cool for maybe some different reasons, maybe some of the same reasons. But um, like, but with this graphic novel, it's like it's kind of the same thing. It's like they're trying to appeal to uh, to bring in that younger audience to something that might appeal to them a bit more. Then we have Star Wars Adventures number one. This is like a new launch. Um, and if it's the one that I just read, well, no, I read the Clone Wars new launch, and that one was it was okay. Like again, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't something that was all that great. So it didn't gra again didn't grab me like I was hoping it would. Um, then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends number twenty five. This is the uh, new stories that have uh, the new issues that have been written and drawn um, that will conclude the whole uh, Urban Legends storyline for the Turtles. Then uh, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 106. This recently just came out. Um, it's written by Sophie Campbell. 
I'm not caught up on my turtles, but I am vastly getting caught up on them. I, uh, I'm actually reading, I'm almost up to city war, war of the city, something, whatever the hell that is. Um, yeah, I, I'm almost up to the first part of that. And I, the only reason I'm not up to it yet is because I'm reading the macro series one shots that they did of each of the turtles before I read that. Uh, and then I also read Shredder in Hell, uh, number one. And I think I'm going to be finishing that first before I read City at War. City at War, I believe is what it's called. Um, because I think Shredder plays a factor into that storyline. So I want to read the um, Shredder in Hell first. And I think that's going to be one of the reviews I do this weekend. It's going to be Shredder in Hell number one. Because it was, it was really good. And I think it's worth talking about. Um, and I have the director's cut too. So I want to read through the director's cut, take a few notes uh, that I can talk about and sound intelligent, fake it, just like I always do. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, I do know a lot of this stuff, but but yeah, uh, a lot of it is because I, I'll do some research ahead of time as best as I can. But it's fun. Because, like, that's the fun thing about doing Star Joes is like, yeah, I know a lot of stuff about a lot of these properties, but it's been fun learning more about these properties as I go along. So, uh, more than I ever knew. Um, but this was a, this is a cool looking cover. It's got one of the mousers on it and looks like they're trying to gather the mousers up. Uh, we have all five turtles. Yes, there's five turtles now, if you didn't know that. Um, and then there's something lurking in the water behind them that's sneaking up on them. So, uh, I'm very eager to get caught up and then read what Sophie is doing as a, as a writer. I think she's the one that took over with issue 101. Maybe she's only doing an arc. I don't know, but, um, very interested to, to read these issues. Then we have Michael Golden's Micronauts artist edition, man. I know people have pointed this one out to me and to John. I would love this, but artist editions are just so expensive. <laughs> Like it's $150 for this and it's, it's amazing. I think it's beautiful and I would love to own it. Um, but there's two things with them. The one is that they're super expensive and two, they're very difficult to find space for them because they're huge. Um, but I do love them and I would love it if this one was made and, uh, I did not order it. Um, uh, cause even at, a DCBS discount, it's still like over a hundred dollars. And I'm like, eh, I gotta, I can't, I can't do that. But, um, but I think it, it's amazing. It'll probably be something that I track down and get at some point. So, uh, if it gets made, we know we've had issues of stuff not getting made that we wanted made. So, uh, then we have, uh, Richard Stark's Parker, the martini edition, last call. If you like Darwin Cook, you need to get these Parker editions. I have like these cool like um, hardcover editions of the Parker Adventures, um, and it, it's Darwin Cook writing. He's the artist. Um, it's they are well worth getting. And I'm not even like a crime noir type person typically, but it's Darwin Cook, so of course I picked it up. Um, Rom Dire Wraiths. Uh, it's the collected edition of the Dire Wraiths miniseries. I have not read it yet. However, I will probably read issue one uh, this weekend, and that will probably be one of my reviews. I'm just not all that excited. I don't mean to disparage Chris Ryle at all. Uh, I know he is no longer 
uh, heading things at IDW there. Um, but, and I know he's a huge fan of ROM and that's why he, he fought to bring it back and he wanted to write it and everything else. I just have not been that impressed with his writing of ROM. I just haven't. I don't, I don't think it's been done well. Like there's some issues that are good and that's, that's, that's about all I can say. Like there's just some issues that are good and the rest are not like, they're just, just not. So I'm, I'm going into the miniseries with an open mind because I know he went in a little bit different direction with this miniseries. Um, so, you know, it takes place in 1969 when the American astronauts, uh, first set, f- uh, foot on the moon, uh, and that something's waiting for them. So, so I'm, I'm interested to see what he does and everything else. But like I said, I just have not been impressed with his ROM. It's, it, I haven't finished reading his ROM because I was just very mediocre with it. So, um, GI Joe number nine. So here's a, a title that I have done kind of a 180 on, uh, speaking of being reading something that was mediocre. And I don't mean to disparage it like that because, but the first issue of this IDW GI Joe, I was not really feeling it. Like it was okay. It just was like, but it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like what I've been saying about some of the other number ones where it's just like, it didn't really grab me. Um, there was something shocking that happened in the issue that I thought was a bad choice. And I don't know if it's stuck and, and everything else, but I was just like, eh. I read issue two and I'm like, okay, issue two is a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm still just kind of lukewarm with it. Issue three, I'm tr- if I'm remembering right, issue three didn't did not involve major blood yet, but issue three was just again like an okay issue. Um, I got to know the characters a little bit more, but it was still just an okay issue. Issue four, I believe, is the one that introduced uh, it was, had a focus on the major blood character. That issue was really good. I really enjoyed that issue, and then I read issue five, and issue, issue five was really good, and then I read issue six, and issue six was really good. Um, issue six introduces snake eyes, just not to ruin it for you, but the very last page shows snake eyes. Um, and then issue seven, they just recently released as free to read. Um, I have it. I just need to read it, but they also have it free digitally because it evidently deals with suicide and they wanted people to read it because of that. Like, so um, I am probably going to read that this weekend and, and make that maybe my next video. Um, so that might be the next issue that you see coming out is me reviewing uh, G.I. Joe number seven. So when I say I've done a 180, maybe it's not a 180 because that means I hated it before and now I love it. I didn't hate it before. I just thought it was okay for the first few issues. And now it, I, I really like it. I think they're doing a, I think uh, Paul Aller is doing a really good job. I, um, you know, it just took some time for me to warm up to it. And if so, if you jumped off at all, if, especially before issue four, if you jumped off before issue four, I would recommend going back and checking it out. At least pick up issue four. That's all I'm going to say. Pick up issue four. If you don't like it after reading issue four with the focus on major blood, you're probably not going to like it after that. Um, but yeah, issue four, five, and six, I've really liked a lot. So um, then we have G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, Snake Eyes, The Origin. Uh, this is reprinting uh, Real American Hero 26 and 27. I'm sure there's going to be maybe some additional supplemental material in there, but 
Um, that's pretty much all it is. I, I think it's a cool cover, which is why I'm interested in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's reprints. Then we have Red Sonia. We're going to Dynamite Red Sonia, Vampirella, Meet Betty, and Veronica. Talk about putting as many of your characters together as possible to hopefully sell a few books. <laughs> like, it's just... And it's number 12. I, I just... Wow. Um, didn't, didn't know something like that would go that many issues. But, um, but the reason I mention it is because they do have... Uh, a variant cover that uh, is done like Bill and Ted. Uh, the looks like the movie poster to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. So, so I found that amusing. Um, then we have, uh, some other things that I've heard good things about. So like something is killing the children. Volume one is out there. Um, I've heard that's supposed to be really good. Um, the other thing is the woods yearbook edition volume one. I have all the issues of the woods. Uh, I read half of the issues and really, really liked it. Just never circled back to finish reading it, but I, it's James Tinian. So, you know, again, I was singing his praises earlier with Batman. So, um, definitely worth picking up the woods. Uh, I, like I said, what I read of it, I really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. Uh, speaking, going back to Bill and Ted, we have from Boom Studios, Bill and Ted box set soft cover. So it collects the, uh, various titles that they did of Bill and Ted. And then there's also the Bill and Ted archive soft cover, which collects earlier stories of Bill and Ted in comic version, which I actually never knew even existed, but they, they're out there. Then we have Jim Henson's the dark crystal age of resistance. That's still wrapping up. Um, and then we have Jim Henson's the storyteller ghost number three of four with a creepy ass cover. Like, I don't know what it's like, it's based on a classic Irish myth. So maybe it's a banshee on the cover there. It's, it's creepy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that in a good way, like, man, that's, it's creepy enough that I'm like, Ooh, do I pick up that issue? Cause I know each one of those storytellers is its own story with its own creative team and everything else. Um, yeah, I don't know. Ghosts. I mean, ghosts I find interesting. So, um, then we have, uh, in, uh, some books here in Delray. We have Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy, book one, which I believe, uh, Chaos Rising hardcover. So I believe, like, that's a long title, number one. Star, Star Wars, Star, what the hell? Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy, book one, Chaos Rising hardcover. Um, so this is a new story arc, and I heard something that this has ties to what some of us old Republic fans liked. So there evidently, maybe there's a character or two that's bringing, bringing them back from the old Republic days. I don't know. Um, maybe it's XR Coon or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm always interested in the new star Wars book, especially a Thrawn one, especially a book written by Timothy Zahn. So then we have Ghostbusters art book hardcover. Um, so this is, just basically showing a bunch of artwork from the 1980s stuff like uh, it's unique interpretations of fan favorite characters um, there's comic art there's fine art there's just a, it's a collection of artwork um, which I think is kind of cool 
Um, then we have Star Wars A New Hope Storybook, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Storybook, and Star Wars Return of the Jedi Storybook. So definitely for younger kids, but if you ever wanted to get your kids hooked on Star Wars and they're, they're younger, that's the route to go. So I would highly recommend that. Um, then we have uh, some... Uh, from Titan Comics, we have some Blade Runner collected editions. So we have Blade Runner 2049, the art uh, hardcover, and then we have Blade Runner 2019, Volume 1, Los Angeles hardcover. So <clears throat> that's the one comic series, and they did a, a hardcover collecting that. And then we have Robotech Archives, the Masters, Volume 1. And uh, I believe that got canceled and then resolicited, and uh, so it's still going to be coming out. Um, and then let's see here, what else did I mark? I marked something here in. Oh, there we go. Uh, Transformers: The Manga Volume Two. Uh, so I have Volume One. Uh, they have Volume Two here, uh, and. I don't know if I ordered it or not, but they, um, but it's a, I've been told like the first one was really good. I haven't sat down to read it yet, but I've heard from a couple sources that the first manga was actually done really, really well. Um, and that it's worth reading. So, um, so I will be sure to do that. And then let's make sure I write that one down too for transformers. Um, because if I didn't get it, I definitely need to. So, <laughs> um, and then going to close up with some toys and collectibles and whatnot. So, we have a uh, Cla DC Classics movie gallery, Batman '89 diorama. Uh, it's only for fifty bucks, uh, which isn't bad for uh, you know these gallery editions are like that. Uh, they're they're. Just they're basically plastic, but they're they're cool sculpts. I actually have quite a few of the gallery editions, and they always look better in person than they do in these photos. Like I think the photos look fine here. These are actually pretty decent photos. They have one of Batman. There's one of Lex Luthor also in his like power suit, um, and he's standing on the rubble of the Daily Planet. Um, they look fine in these photos, but the ones that I have. I remember seeing what they looked like in the photos and was like, oh, they're, they're okay. And then I saw them in person. I was like, wow, that's actually a lot better than I thought they were. So um, just keep that in mind. Then we have uh, Thundercats Ultimates Wave 2 uh, figure. So with this, we have uh, Mumra in his, uh, not his mummy form, but his ever-living form. Uh, we have uh, Pumira and we have Tigra. And then we have Gruen the Destroyer. And I always liked Pumira. Uh, I know she was a later character, but I always thought that she was just, she had this cool look. I don't, she reminded me a little bit of Spirit from G.I. Joe, uh, a little bit. So, like, she had that Native American look to her and everything else. I don't know, just, I always found that interesting. Um, and then looking at some other things here, we have Transformers Bumblebee Soundwave Deluxe Scale Figure, which is $209. That's crazy. Um, I know some figures cost that much, but it, I just like, wow. Like, anyways, <laughs> then, uh, <clears throat> speaking of very expensive Castlevania Dracula regular edition, 20 inch resin statue, 
$575. Like, that's normally one where they go price inquire because it's that much. But, yeah, this one they just said, screw it. We're going to tell you how much it is. Um, I think it looks amazing. Uh, is it almost $600 amazing? No, it's not almost $600 amazing. Uh, it's 20 inches, so it's very tall. Um, you figure it's a foot, a little over a foot and a half tall. Um, he's, he, like I say, it looks incredible. If you love Castlevania, right up, and you got a lot of money to spare, right up your alley, go for it. Um, but yeah, uh, just, I saw that and I was like, I, I want to mention that one just cause it's, it's, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and with that, we are going to go ahead and close this episode. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for being patient. Thanks for putting up with my ramblings, especially at the beginning of this episode. If you've stayed this long, God bless you. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with putting this episode together since I ran out of battery, had to go get a drink had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff and it's just water that I got and get alcoholic drinks, although that wouldn't be bad either. Um, so it is 1230 at night here. So I am going to call it a night and say the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care everyone.